Hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 153. Woohoo! Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. Privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kidneys? I don't have the colour. Howdy do, who fans? Episode 153. We're here. Hope you've had a cracking week. I know you've managed to do something Doctor Who related. Oh, I always get it wrong. Come on. I always say Doctor Who wise and it's Doctor Who related, related isn't it? Related, yes. Should know by now. Hope you've grabbed a DVD. A certain John Pertwee DVD. Ooh. It's the Daleks. <laughs> Come on, old chap. It's the Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> we are reviewing Death <laughs> the Daleks. <laughs> a bit later, first of all. We're going to crack on with a couple. We've been very quiet this week. I think this is one of the quietest weeks we've had in terms of what you and I have been up to, mm. plus what's been in the news, plus what's been out merchandise-wise. So, yeah, really There's quiet. a few tumbleweeds going around, isn't there, at the minute? There's not a lot going on. There is, because everything seems to have slowed down with the whole Jodie Whittaker thing as well. That's uh, That's eased up a bit as well. I haven't seen... She hasn't done many... Well, I don't think she's done any recent stuff in the last day or two. And the fans have also, that seems to have quietened off a little bit as well. You know, all the backlash and all the stuff that was kicking off when she was announced, that went on for a week or two, didn't it? Mm. I did see there has been a little bit of, um, I think she did a, she's back at the radio, BBC radio um, the other week, last week or something. The end of last I'm not week, sure. I think that Yeah, was, I didn't hear yeah. it, but... Um, I watched a couple of YouTube videos of her meeting the fans coming out, and uh, all got a bit, all got a bit nasty. Um, not not the fans themselves, but there was a load of dealers there. Um, this is something I've experienced myself. It's not very pleasant, um, and mm. they just keep going around pushing the fans out of the way to get as many autographs as they can. And uh, you know, the fans were not having it, so it all turned a little bit, all kicked off a little bit. What well, um, what I was pleased to see was the guy with Jody you know, presumably a PA or whatever, mm-hmm. so, uh, was keeping an eye on who was doing it. So he was very good at saying, no, 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 you've you've got your autograph, mate, back, go back like that. And they were still trying to push, and then a fan grabbed their photo and threw it in the air, which didn't go down very well. So it's all kicking off. It's all very unpleasant. I thought, what a shame for Jody to be, you know, in the middle of that. So, you know, you've got your genuine fans there, really excited to meet her, trying to get an autograph and a photo, moving on. And then you've got these group of dealers just, you know, yeah, muscling yeah. in. And uh, it all turned a little bit nasty. So I was watching, I saw two YouTube videos, which were um, quite interesting, but also just quite unpleasant to watch. And, you know, I just felt a bit sorry for Jody. I was thinking, you know, this the Dot 2 fandom is amazing. Um, but uh, that can't have been a very nice experience for her. She sort of she signed a lot of autos and then got in her car. But I would imagine she couldn't wait to get away. I was thinking. Um, 
But I remember a similar thing when I when I tried to meet Peter Capaldi. Um, in fact, I spotted one of the very dealers because I see him at every every time I try and meet uh, anyone at stage or whatever. He's always there and he's a nasty piece of work. And I saw him in the video. Funny enough, I spotted spotted him straight away. Um, so I could really relate to what I was watching. I was thinking, yeah, I remember when you elbowed me out the way and uh, <laughs> and I didn't get to meet Peter Capaldi. I remember you. So um, so yeah, my sympathies for the fans. And it looked like a lot of them got to meet her anyway. It seemed that she was doing her best to get round and. Um, and signed stuff and loads of loads of uh, selfies. Uh, I must admit that's something I'm I'm looking forward to, mate. I hope the day comes when uh, I get to meet her. I don't know about you. Um, I'm looking forward to the day when I finally get a selfie with Jodie and post it on social media and be like, "Look who I met!" You know, probably when she's not the doctor anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Oh, it's the doctor, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can't wait to meet Jodie. I think it will be. I'm looking forward to it. Or probably after she's done who. And a few years have gone by, maybe, and she jumps on some conventions, or she's doing a play somewhere, and we accost her as she's coming out the stage door, or something like that. But, or unless we go to a like a filming, if we manage to muscle our way into a a location shoot somewhere, because sometimes they Mm. do, you do get groups of fans um, who uh, somehow get word of where they're filming on location, and they turn up and. Yeah, I know Capaldi is very good with, uh, with with actually welcoming fans. Not not encouraging it, but if they do show up, he, he's very mm. generous with his time and and will sign stuff. There was an interesting story actually, wasn't there? When we went to uh, a Comic Con a few weeks back, one of the uh, one of the uh, Rusty, what's his name, Rusty, somebody, the guy who played uh, Little John in Forest uh, Robin of uh, Sh- Ro- Robot of Sherwood. Robot of Sherwood, yeah, yeah, crikey. <laughs> I need more coffee, obviously. And uh, he was saying that when they were shooting out in somewhere, somewhere in Wales, some forest, um, the night before, when they arrived at the hotel, and they said, uh, "Are you?" <laughs> and he said, "Yes, I'm," because <laughs> he didn't want to give his name or what they were doing. And it was yeah. this massive secrecy thing, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know if you were in the the. the I remember, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. Um, he was saying, so yeah, we had to sign all these non-disclosure agreements and we weren't allowed to say our real names and we weren't allowed to say what we were doing and it was all this massive Area 51 style yeah. uh, silence thing. And then the next day they were out on location and then lo and behold, he looks through the forest. There's like half a dozen Who fans with telephoto <laughs> lenses and the whole lot. And he was like, what's yeah. the whole, what's the what's point? The of point? Th- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I imagine if we went undercover, if we got some camo gear, and uh we we stalked him for a bit we might we might get lucky and uh although that's a bit creepy and weird isn't it it's a bit weird isn't it i know there's a lot i mean (laughs) that's the thing i think the the best one for me was when we when like that you know like you said if you see him on filming like if they're filming where you live then i think fair enough because like um where i live they've filmed a few things and uh and you know uh, i've gone out and watched it being filmed and you know and got a picture with you know whoever's in it um because I live here and it's like literally been at the, at the end of my road at one, one filming thing. So I think that's fair enough. If you're there and you're, you know, part of it, I think it's fair enough to go up and ask, um, or whatever. But, um, but I think, yeah, I don't know if you are sort of traveling 200 miles just to go there, I think, cause for me, my best experience with something like that was, was the BFI series 10 premiere. Right. So yes. we go, yeah. you know, there was a Peter Capaldi was there. Stephen Moffat was there. Paul Mackey was there. And when they came out, they stood there and signed autographs and had photos. 
Um, you know, and I thought, well, this is sort of how it's meant to be because they've done the thing. Now they're coming out meeting the fans, and now they're off. And that that was just perfect. I thought, you know, that's they're there for an event, and it was just a nice way to sort of end it. Although Peter didn't sign any autographs that day, and that is because of the dealers, which I mentioned earlier. He doesn't. He's um, he will only dedicate autographs now. He's he's got wise to that, and I again think that's absolutely fair enough. I think mm. you know if you're getting an autograph. It, presumably it's for you so you know why not get it dedicated so but uh, but that's a nice experience you know what i mean it didn't feel like i was sort of bothering him on set or mm-hmm. or interrupting his work he's there for a premiere and then he's meeting fans and going home so it, that's felt like quite a natural environment to meet him if you know what i mean so um, i'd love something like that with jody that would be imagine if they did like a series 11 premiere or something and you got to meet her there i think that's the, that's the nicest way to do it really or a convention like you said you know that's another way to do it obviously it costs you a bit of money but <laughs> that's the other way to do it but at least you know at least it's official when you're not interrupting them when they're trying to work because what was i watching recently where i was thinking i was thinking this is a great scene it must have been um i know it's when we're watching the runaway bride um last week and i was thinking a lot of that's filmed on the streets of cardiff and i was thinking i'm just picturing like loads of fans on the other side of the camera and them trying to sort of act on the street with loads of people watching them it must be slightly off-putting actually yeah i mean you've got to try and block all that out and you know it's a bit like um what i'm trying to say is when you try and do something in front of someone it's not always that easy so when i'm making a video I always do it when I'm on my own because if anyone else <laughs> no, is in the house, shy, I'm dude. self-conscious. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, you know, you can't suddenly your, your mouth doesn't work because someone's in the room right, or, you, right. you know, or you're, or you're not hundred percent concentrating. Like. So I was thinking they must get the same thing if they're on the streets mm-hmm. and they've got this massive crowd. Like imagine Sherlock, that gets a massive crowd every time they film anywhere. It must be quite, quite off-putting, I think. Yeah. Well, there's a good reason for in the pilot rows. There's a good reason why most of the, location shots are in the middle of the night early hours of the morning Mm. Um, with the exception of some of the estate shots uh, around where rose lived you know in the um in the estate where she lives that they were filmed during the day but if you look at any of the scenes where they're by the london eye and then back in cardiff where they're at the shopping center and on the supposed streets of london which is actually cardiff that's all at like two in the morning yeah, three in the morning because uh, it it was just would have been too much, you know. The brand new series of Doctor Who being filmed on you know Cardiff High Street or whatever mm. busy shopping centre it was, um, yeah, that would have been crazy. Yeah, it would have been would have been mad. Yeah, so I get you, man. I get mm. it's a case of uh, you do it the correct way, which is just be patient and wait for a convention or whatever, or you get your USAS combat gear on <laughs> and you go. Uh, you go stalking them during a, a location shoot. But that doesn't <laughs> sound much pick. fun to me. Take your pick. Talking to conventions, I see Pearl Mac has just been added to uh, a UK com, which is which is great. It's nice to see some new series, people doing stuff because Matt Lucas did um, LFCC, and uh, Pearl's doing MCon, but I forget where. Is it Sheffield or somewhere like that? No, I believe it's Nottingham. Nottingham. Uh, yes, MCon <laughs> Nottingham next year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, cool. I was quite surprised to see that. Don't know about you. I was really pleased. Yeah, mm. I was like, excellent. Just great to see her, like, getting straight into the convention circuit and, and you know, and embracing this the role. And, yeah, I just thought it was brilliant, actually. I was really chuffed. Yeah, she's going to be there both days. And prices are not too bad, considering she's fresh out of New Doctor Who. 
Mm. Uh, so an autograph is 35 and a photo is 40. Uh, seems to be becoming about the norm, that, doesn't it? I think Matt Lucas was 40 for photo, 40 for auto at LFCC. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's creeping up there, isn't it? Um, but, I, I mean, it does seem to be about the standard price. I wouldn't say – I mean, I would – I personally, I would pay that because um, when I think, you know, when they start creeping up around the 50-plus – then I start thinking someone's taking the, the Michael. But uh, but I think, yeah. yeah, 35 is about right, I think. It's, it's not too bad. Yeah, you get it, a nice signed picture. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, but the thing is, though, the, the convention, for a, long, for a long time, for many years, the UK convention scene was, al- was always viewed as, uh, what's the word? It was always viewed as the, the, the little very little brother to the US conventions. Mm. We were very, very behind in terms of its scale and hype and, and all that stuff. Yeah. And now that we're getting bigger stars over here, which is great, don't get me wrong, it, it, it's, mm. it's great. The side effect of that, that comes with that, is now the organisers are very aware that because there are thousands of people, you know, thousands more people attending, there's more money to be made. Mm. So they'll increase prices of these things, you know, and they'll they'll make more money from it. So in a way, it's great because you and I have complained for the last two or three years <laughs> that we don't get, you know, the big convention vibe that they have over in the US and we don't have the, yeah. you know, the big stars and stuff. So now that that's coming along, we can't really complain about the other stuff that has to go with it, I suppose. We have to just take that as that that's the convention scene as it is these days. Mm. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I totally hear you. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's a bit like the, the two that I'd love to see at a convention in the UK in the next couple of years would be David Tennant and Matt Smith. I, I mean, I'd just go mad if they did a, a UK convention. <laughs> go mad. <laughs> I would go mad. But I would also be prepared for the price to be quite high to meet them. So oh, like yeah. Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch was, uh, what was he, 85 at LFCC? Mm-hmm. Somewhere around there, wasn't he? In the 80s yeah. price range. So I, if Tennant and Smith got added, I would expect them to be around that same sort of price Mm -hmm. um so and to be honest with you because they are two of the people i would absolutely love to meet although i have met matt smith but i've never got a picture with him and stuff you know i just think i would i would be prepared to go around that price i wouldn't want to i would much rather it be around 50 60 even lower but but the chances are if they ever do a uk con they are going to be that sort of price because Mm -hmm. a they can charge it in the states, so that to be even tempted to do one over here, they've got to be offered a good wage. Yeah. So to cover that, it's got to be a good cost. Showmasters have got to make their money, and obviously, you know, so it, it's going to be expensive. But yeah, I don't know. I just love to see them do it. I, I, I just hope it's you know in the next couple of years they come over here because Tennant does a lot of US ones. A, a friend of mine on Twitter was saying uh, he's over here all the time. He's uh, you know my friend who lives in America. He's like, uh, yeah, he loves doing the US cons. I was like, does he? Yeah, he does. <laughs> When's he coming over here? <laughs> yeah, because he was on The Late Show with somebody this week, or the end of last week. Mm. Uh, he was talking about several things. Obviously, they kicked off about Doctor Who yeah, and all that stuff, because um, also on the show was um, uh, somebody else that had been in Who. can't remember. And they had a bit of banter around there. and So, yeah, he's there all the time. Uh, mm. it seems, I mean, I can't blame him, but uh, yeah. No, I mean, I think because he's starring in various US things over the last couple of years. Mm. So he's a busy man, but yeah, it would just be not. I think it will happen, I think in a, in the next sort of five years, maybe. 
depending. Mm. Yeah, I think we will see him here, especially because LFCC and the really big, uh, the MCM Expo uh, mm. at the XL in London, because they're growing, you know, quite quickly. It's only been in the last two or three years, isn't it, that we've seen the big stars turn up. I think it all started with when Stan Lee attended LFCC a few years ago, and then we had people like Michael J. Fox and Gillian Anderson and Jeremy Renner from the event. You know, all these big people that have, you know, the last Mm. few years have decided to attend, and it's just... So I think as it grows, that will attract them as well, because that obviously means more money. So Yeah, of course, yeah. You know, and it's difficult to talk about that stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, they're there was like a two fold thing you're they're there for the fans but they're also there because the money's good yeah of course yeah so, yeah uh, also at mcon um next year in, in nottingham um uh, at the moment the only other who star is uh dan starkey he's going to be there as well all oh, right okay yeah uh, but other than that it's just a few other people nothing who related to star wars and a few us tv people but yeah that might be a that might be an okay one to, yeah to get along someone to. Someone was asking me yesterday, when's your next convention? I said, well, actually, um, this goes back to what we were just talking about. So actually, I'm still paying off LFCC. It completely obliterated me in terms of money. Um, so, yeah, I am looking to because obviously you get withdrawals, don't you? Now, you're probably the same. I'm sort of itching to when's my next convention after LFCC. But actually, I've really got to rein it in and uh, and pay off <laughs> what I spent at that first because that... <laughs> That was a great event, but man, did I spend some money? You know, when you, I, I can't. I'm actually too scared to add it all up because I know it'd be extortionate. I probably could have gone to Barbados for what, yeah. I, what I spent at that. But, uh, but I loved it. But yeah, I am keeping my eye on what's out there. I think Peter Davison might be doing a MCon, but I forget where. I'm sure I saw him on one. Mm, I don't um, think unless so. it was one that's gone already. No, yeah, I don't think so. I'm actually got my stars and dates mixed up there. Uh, Dan Stark is not at Nottingham with Pell Mackey. Oh, right. Uh, he's at MCON Leicester. Leicester. Yeah, so um, uh, so Nottingham, it's Pelmackey, and then some people from Star Trek, The Next Generation. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, and then MCON Leicester. Uh, Dan Starkey's there with Katie Manning. Oh, lovely Katie. Yeah. And uh, there's one in Skegness as well. Didn't realise I did mm. one over there. Uh, Dan Starkey's there as well. Uh, they also do one in Bedford. Ah, oh, that's. I think that's that might be the one that Davison was at. Maybe yes. it's the previous one. Then, yeah. No, he's there, Peter Davison. Yeah, MCOM is it? Bedford. Yeah, that's only up the road oh. for us. Is it? Well, for me anyway. It's only oh. like half an hour away, forty-five minutes. Okay, because I'd like to. I've got a picture with Davison, but he doesn't do any of the. He hasn't done an LFCC or Collector Mania for years, um, and I'd love to get a proper professional photo with him. I tell you what, um, mate. Uh, MCOM Bedford is a winner next year. Yeah, oh, it's next year. Uh, yeah, September next year. Oh, sorry, no, September this year. Holy, holy moly. Oh. Holy moly this year. Oh, this is awesome. So uh, Peter Davison's there. Terry Malloy. Oh, he's brilliant. Terry Sarah Malloy. Sutton. Uh, yeah. Kai Owen from Torchwood. He's a nice guy, yeah. I think this is a winner, mate. Wow. Tickets I'll have to have a look tenor. at that. Yeah. Are they? Yes. That's more like it. Yeah. And which is Davison's auto and photo? Uh, let me just investigate. I'm going to guess while you're looking. Go on in. 40. 20 quid. Really? 20 quid, mate. Oh, now that's not bad, is it? <laughs> what was go. I just saying about not spending? <laughs> <laughs> Literally within a matter of minutes, Adam is edging ever closer to being single. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the truth of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyways, 
that's uh, Gary and Adam's uh, convention uh, law, tips, tricks, advice. Take it as you will. Uh, but is there any, anybody knocking around in September? Saturday the 9th of September. Um, it is around the Bedfordshire area in the south of England. We'll see you there. By the it's, only of it. couple, it's only a couple of weeks away, isn't it, that? Blimey. It is, yeah. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So there we go. There we are. I suppose we should get back, we, we mm. should get back on with the show, shouldn't we? We should, really, yeah. Should we land it and do some news? Do a bit of news. First up, I like it when publishers and people do this kind of stuff. And we've we've mentioned about half a dozen of these type of things over the last year or so, and I think they're really good. And it's about encouraging new writers and new artists and so on within the the Who um, community and fandom. So Candy Jar Books, uh, the guys, you'd have heard us mention Candy Jar numerous times since the very first Lethbridge-Stewart novel. Uh, was published. Uh, our good friend, Mr. Andy Frankham Allen, uh, launched that series uh, back in what was it, 2015? Oh, Must golly, be. is it already? Yeah, it probably is. I think it was 2015, yeah. Blimey. And that series has grown and grown, and they've got new authors writing, you know, stories all the time. And although I think Andy's recently just moved on from that. Yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on, but yeah, I think he might have done, yeah. Yeah, so I think he's moved on, but he is still going to attend this event. So on the 17th, um, of August, which is actually uh, tomorrow. So if you're listening to this on uh, <laughs> podcast day, it happened yesterday. <laughs> um, and, but the submissions are going to be open until the end of September, so that's fine. But um, So Candy Jar are doing um, uh, something called um, uh, the Candy Jar Books uh, uh, South Wales Festival. And it's going to be at the Cardiff Central Library at one o'clock. Um, and there's going to be various um, authors there from the range. And uh, they're going to do a panel there. And before that, I'm pretty sure there's going to be somebody doing a, a drawing class as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that was one of the uh, guys that did one of the cover art uh, for the one of the books. Um, but they're going to be a panel. And Andy's there as well. He's going to, um, he's going to be talking about uh, the range in general and writing and so on. Uh, but the good thing is, um, once the event has been and gone, which it will have done by the time you've listened to this, mm-hmm. um, they're opening up submissions for people to uh, get their stories into them. Uh, and uh, those uh, successful stories will be published um, in a book that will be out some point early next year, 2018. Mm. Uh, so uh, let me just find the details here. Uh, so all submissions uh, need to be in by the end of September. Um, and there is a £5 um, fee uh, for your entry. And um, you can look at that. There's, I'll, we'll put a, note, a link in the show notes, but there's like some terms and conditions and um, some stuff that you have to make sure that your story conforms to. Like there's a certain word count and you can only submit two stories, I believe. Um, however, if you are a budding writer... And you, you've got some great ideas for who specifically. Uh, I'm not sure if it's if your story has to relate to Lethbridge Stewart. I'm assuming it potentially does. Mm, not sure. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, let's have a look. So uh, your ent- uh, your story, uh, you can submit up to two short stories, um, and they, ha- they have to be up to 3,000 words each. Mm. And it's open to all unpublished writers in the UK. So if you're a successful author, you have to stay successful. Yeah. And not and not um, not submit a story. However, I think this is really good. And like I said earlier, this is I love it when people encourage fans mm. to do that because there's a new book coming out later on in a year that's got like um it's one hundred illustrated stories. Yeah. About who and we mentioned that you know, months and months ago. I think it was January potentially or February. And uh, that was to encourage people to submit their fan art. And now that's going to be published. That's really cool. So this is the same thing. So if you've got some great ideas in your head and you've had a dab at writing and you've, you want to get your, your stuff out there, this could be, this could be your avenue to do so. So um, mm. we'll, we'll stick a link in the website for this. Uh, so unfortunately, by the time you've listened to this, the event would have passed in Cardiff. However, you can still get your story in or stories by the end of September. So that's the candy jar um, the Candy Jar South Wales Festival. Yes. That's very cool. And of course, a lot of um, lot of fans that wrote for Doctor Who, just as fan fiction back in the day, are now writing for the show. So exactly. yeah. who knows where it could lead? And I know a lot of um, people who listen to our show are budding writers as well, because um, forever getting messages about fan audios and stuff that people do. So yeah, good luck with that, guys. Have a look at it and um, and go for it. Right, in other news, sad news, actually. Um Victor Pemberton uh, has passed away. He was a writer and the inventor of the sonic screwdriver, which, of course, has um, become really well known in uh, in Doctor Who over the years, mm. especially in the new series, I would say. Um, yep. So, yeah, it's very sad news. He died at the age of 85, um, as well as um, uh, as well as writing for Doctor Who. Uh, so he, he wrote Fury from the Deep, um, which featured the departure of Victoria, um, he was also, uh, was he a director? I've forgotten. Now. Uh, no, he did. Yeah. He wrote, um, uh, he wrote Fury of the Deep and then he went on to, um, do some other stuff with who after that, I think he did some audio adventure oh, was, stuff. I'll tell you what I'm getting confused. Yeah. If he was also, he also appeared in it, didn't he? I was thinking he might have directed some. No. So he wrote for Doctor Who, but he also appeared, um, as an actor. So he was in the moon base. That's right. Playing yep. uh, a scientist. That's it. So yeah, it's very, very sad news. Um, but, uh, we will be forever grateful for the fact that he invented the sonic screwdriver. If I, for one, even though Matt Smith's doctor massively overused it, love the sonic screwdriver. Yeah. <laughs> when I was, a, when I was a kid, I used to, um, I used to want to have the fourth Doctor Sonic and I used to use my dad's <laughs> tyre pressure gauge as a sonic screwdriver. So you can imagine I was thrilled when they finally released a toy of it all those years later. So, yes. Yeah, that is sad, isn't it? It's, um, but however, it's a good celebration of um, uh, his involvement in Doctor Who. Yes. Because uh, he yeah. did go on to write a few other things. So uh, he wrote Doctor Who and the Pescatons. Oh, yeah, I've got that. Yeah, starring Tom Baker and Liz Sladen. So that was really cool. And then he did some Target novelizations as well. And So, yeah, uh, great career. Um, involved, obviously, heavily in Doctor Who, like you said, with the Sonic. Um, but, yes, uh, sadly leaves us at 85. Mm. I did see him pop up in a few extras as well, actually. I remember that's the first thing I thought. I thought of, funny enough, when I heard this news is, um, you know, on the DVD extras, I, I saw him on some of the behind the scenes things that they have on there and that. And uh, so, yeah, sad news, but uh, it leaves behind a good, good legacy. Indeed.
Yeah. Uh, that's going to do for news. Uh, we have got one bit of merch, so shall we get our tin friend in and see what he's well, got? Oh, I don't hum- know. What, what sort of mood is he in today? <laughs> well, what mood is he always in? No. Miserable sod, right? It's getting me. <laughs> merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Very pretty. Uh, right. Get out. Always the same. Always just hangs around like he's gonna. He thinks he's gonna be on the show or something. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyways, maybe uh, one day. Maybe one day. Right. Uh, you may have heard us speak about this. Uh, uh, well, a companion to what we're going to talk about today. So, I think it must have been a few months ago. We strangely spoke about an upcoming Halloweeny type horror. Mm. Uh, book that was going to be released uh, doctor who tales of terror <laughs> uh, that that book um uh, is going to be out in september um but well what was going to say surprisingly but unsurprisingly uh, they're going to release an audio cd an audio book version of the book um which is going to be read by various peeps uh, which is good. So it's not just one person reading through your standard audiobook affair. Uh, there's going to be people such as Derek Sir, Je- Sir Derek Jacobi reading a story, Sophie Aldred, uh, Rachel Sterling, and some other people. David Bailey. That there's a couple of names on here that now I'm reading them. They do ring a bell. Yeah, David Bailey. Yeah, sounds familiar, but I can't think who he is. Yeah, yes, and I can't think. But anyways, um, Google him. So yeah, the book is out on September the 7th, and this audio CD will also be out on uh, September 7th. Um, You can order them from various places. Uh, Amazon is probably the best um, price at the moment. ForbiddenPlanet.com have also got it. Um, And I assume some other, like Forbidden Planet International and some other people might get it. Um, WH Smith and those sorts of people. But uh, yeah, I mentioned this earlier before we started recording. I'm really... I'm actually excited for this one because I I really enjoy when Doctor Who does the seasonal um, uh, Christmas or Halloweeny st- type stuff. So I really like this, and I'm I, I it sounds strange, but I, I I really like it when Doctor Who tries to do like scary horror type yeah. stuff as well. Yeah, and this book <laughs> seems to, and this CD that we're talking about seems to fit the bill perfectly. So I'm not sure on the content yet. I'm not sure how far they've gone with the horror whether it's aimed at sort of younger readers and and listeners and going to be quite light uh, or if it's going to be more for adults and really will try and you know give you goosebumps and things like that but uh yeah i i, I might pick this up mate i know you're not well I'm not, it's not it's not grabbing me although actually i love halloween um but it's not grabbing me but i don't know having said that i've looking at some of the writers so jacqueline rain is good mike tucker's good paul marx is great so it's got some good people doing the stories so yeah, I'm. I might do. I'll have a look at it when it comes out. Um, I've got to tell you, I've just googled David Bailey because I, I knew the name rang a bell. Guess who he is? Uh, go on, because it, it's let rang me in. Oh, really? Let me. He's from Robots of Death. You know oh, the guy yeah. who starts turning silver and goes crazy. Yes. Yeah. It's him. I I, kn- I I knew it when I saw that name. I thought we've seen him before. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't think. It sounds awful, but I thought he was dead. But uh, <laughs> I did, honestly. I'm not joking. Um, so yeah, it's him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's all. okay. That's cool. So there's quite a few people involved in Who that have done the audio CD. Then. 
Yes, yeah. So that's good. That is good. Uh, and if you want to pick them up together, then uh, Amazon, they you know, they do that. If you buy these together, you can get a couple of pounds off, whatever. So I think for 36 quid, you can get the, the uh, this and another audio CD as well. Which one's that? Uh, the 12 Doctors of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Remember that book? There's an audio CD of that as yeah. well. So you can pick them both up. So there's various ways you can... You can buy them the book and the CD or together or bundles, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I might investigate this one. I think it's going to be quite good. Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. And that's what oh, we're going to do for merch. No more stuff on the horizon. Probably good uh, for our wallets that there isn't. For our wallets and our relationships and our sanity. <laughs> yeah. It's probably good that there's not much <laughs> on the radar at the moment. Until that Robert Harrop newsletter lands. Oh, don't. It's game over. Do you want to know something just quickly? (laughs) Something happened yesterday. Oh, no. um, My friend picked up the Davros figure from the Who shop when we were there the other weekend, and it was blimmin' gorgeous. And then he he messaged me and said, oh, just to let you know, on their website it says last few remaining. I was like, no, I must not miss out on Davros. Tuesday after work, I was on there. I could see that on the website, last few remaining. But it was ninety quid, but I got ten percent off, so it was eighty-four. I was like, "Yeah, mustn't mustn't get that until I get paid at the end of the month. Mustn't get it." And then, so I woke up the next day. <laughs> I was like, "No, I'm not going to miss out. I'm going to get him online. He's gone. Sold oh, out." No. Oh, no, no, I was only on there last night. But um, yeah, I really couldn't afford him, so it's a good thing. But I tell you. If you want those, Robert Harrop, do not hesitate because they just go. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's very yeah. true. Don't hang yeah. around. Because, Don't hang uh, around. You, you and I have fallen into that trap many times. Oh, where, I, mean, I sort of was gutted, but also sort of relieved because I couldn't yeah. really afford him. But but now he'll be like 200 quid on eBay. So <laughs> Yeah, we've, we've done that many times where we've hovered over the, the confirm button, pulled out. Hover. And then literally within, yeah, just like what's happened to you within 24 hours, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, so especially with the Robert Harrop stuff, it seems to, um, because they don't have any cleverness on their website yet that says there's only three left or there's well, only. No, no that, that's what they've just started doing. Oh, they that's have a, now. Right. Yeah, this is, yeah, no, but they've literally just started doing it. So, yeah, it used to be quite annoying. You didn't know. But now it says, it said last few remaining and then the, the, um, 10th Planet Cyberman, it said last one left. Oh, so right, I was thinking, this right. is cool, because they they redid their website about two weeks ago, didn't they? Oh, of course, yeah. It seems like they've, yeah. they've started, and I hope they continue to do it, because it's really good. just means you have to keep checking back. But yeah. yeah, and they've got this rubbing salt in the wound update mm-hmm. on their website now, where they put a massive sold-out badge across the image, That's it, yeah. just <laughs> to make you regret that non-purchase even more more, yeah (laughs) Uh, but yes i do agree the robert harrop stuff if you are thinking of getting one then you really need to stop thinking and 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 get it because uh they do go and what's quite annoying as well is um ones that are particular figures that have been in stock for quite some time that lulls you into a false sense of security as well because you think, well, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's been in stock for bloody months and months. It will still be there next month when I want to buy it. And then you go on and it's like, huh, they really did sell out. That's annoying. Yeah, well, that's exactly what that's exactly what happened with Davros because it's like, oh, they've had him, they've had him for months. So he, you know, why would he sell out now that I actually want him? 
and of course he has. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, um, anyways, we should crack on with our review. We should. Yeah. What are we going to do this week, mate? Um, this week, John Pertwee classic, Death to the Daleks. Some power in this planet to stop the TARDIS's energy banks. You mean that we're stuck here forever? <laughs> are you a military expedition? MSC. Master of Science. Marine Space Corps. The relief ship is here! Come on, quickly! Here she comes! The Earth creatures are to be exterminated! Wait, you can't! Total extermination! Fire, fire, fire! Well, well, well. Daleks without the power to kill. I think our best interest will be served by joining forces. The truce exists between our party and yours. Don't you trust them an inch. Substitute weaponry functioning satisfactorily. Take cover! We've walked into a trap. Locate the enemy. What are you doing with her? She is to be sacrificed. And it is now under Dalek control. We are powerless to stop them. Fugitives are to be exterminated on sight. You must stay silent or you will destroy us all. It is beyond our power to help him now. Oh. oh. Little Bay, Little Belal. Belal, 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 Death to the Daleks. Uh, this was first brought to our screens. Uh, back in 1974. Wow. End of Feb through to the middle of March. It was a four-parter, 25 minutes each. It was written by Terry Nation yeah. and directed by yeah. Michael Bryant. Overseen by uh, Terence Dix and Robert Holmes, but you won't see their names adorned on this one. Because I think they did quite a few episodes uncredited, didn't they? They were sort of in the background, weren't they? Yeah. 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 Overseeing things. Yeah, yeah, so this is a third Doctor story, Mr. Pertwee, Sarah Jane Smith, and um, a fairly small-ish uh, supporting cast. Um, we have people that are... We have like a, a group of humans. Uh, we have uh, a group of aliens playing the Exelons, and then we have the Daleks, which you obviously don't see. Small cast, but um, quite interesting. A couple of the... Uh, the supporting cast, we had some some varying performances hmm, Yes, in our supporting humans. And uh, as I said, the Exelons, they're very different. And uh, the two factions of the Exelons and, uh, and the Daleks. Um, so story-wise, it's fairly simplistic. <laughs> I really love these, um, these Doctor Who stories. And I've used it a few times throughout the years where everything's coasting along lovely. In this case, um, the Doctor and Sarah are on their way to the beach. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and we have that great... Uh, whoever thought up this originally, I, this might even been the first story that did it. I'm not sure. Or maybe it was a Trout on one years ago. But really cool when they're, they're just coasting along and everything's fine. And then this button appears on the TARDIS console that sometimes is never even they've never even seen it before. Mm. Um, but this button appears and it's flashing away and, you know, naturally that means danger. You know, it means that, you know, something is afoot. Uh, so the power goes, as the TARDIS lands, the power's all out. There's this flashing red light and that means, you know, something's bad. Yeah. Uh, so, they, so they investigate the power's shot to, shot to bits they they venture out and they get embroiled in this um uh sort of uh uh sort of battle between 
the humans that are there to mine this precious um, uh, substance or mineral or something. What's it? Um, perineum. That's it. Uh, perineum, yeah. Uh, because the human race is on the verge of extinction due to this massive illness that's sweeping, and you know, and they need this to to you know to farm this cure and antidote and all that stuff. Uh, the Daleks arrive. Um, because it turns out that you know they're on the 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 brink of of popping their clogs as well, so they need the perineum also. Um, but then caught in the middle with the Exelons uh, on the planet Exelon, obviously, um, and they're not having any of it. So there's like this constant battle to and throw where the humans trying to mine this stuff. The Daleks turn up; they want it as well. But because the powers, you know, this huge city that the Exelons constructed many moons ago. Um, essentially drains the power of any landing spaceship and so on the humans the doctor and the daleks all find themselves in the same boat and um hilarity ensues when the daleks try and shoot them <laughs> try and shoot them but they're they got no power to power their lasers and stuff so they form an alliance that clearly isn't going to last um, and then in the midst of all this they find this other faction of exelons that are living underground the subterraneans and uh yeah so it's a kind of uh it's it's not really a cat and mouse thing but it's very much a uh these people are doing that these people are doing that these people are doing that and then at the end it all sort of comes together you know how these stories they go through so mm. uh so what are your thoughts on this pertwee dalek story yes um it's a it's an odd one this isn't it don't you think it's an odd story um i don't think it's a particularly good story and yet i really enjoyed watching it so that's what i mean when i say it's a bit of an odd one like there's so much wrong with it but it's kind of a real fun watch um so yeah i don't know i'm somewhere in the middle on this one there's some great bits in it there are some things i absolutely love about it um, and I just, yeah, for, for a four parter, it whizzed along and I, I sat there and I thought I'm, I'm really liking this, but you know, it's just full of all Terry nations tropes that he uses <laughs> in every blimmin Dalek story. Uh, yeah. Um, the TARDIS power failure, you know, of survivors, uh, you know, it's just everything. I'm surprised there's no radiation in this because nearly every Terry Nation story ever had, you know, they immediately like there's radiation. And this is one of the few that doesn't. But it's got all his other tropes in there. So yeah. it's um, it's quite a lazy script, I think, from him. Um, but there are things about it I love. And like I said, I did enjoy watching it. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole thing with the Daleks coming out and their guns not working. I mean, just that <laughs> real simple idea. But I've, I thought well, that's quite nice because then they go back to basics of having this sort of almost machine gun type thing, don't they? That's right. So that was quite yeah. interesting. The Daleks look great. Um, it was silver and black. Um, they just look fantastic. I love seeing them on location. <laughs> um, but yeah, supporting cast are a bit dull pertwee looks like he's bored out of his brain in it to be fair the whole maze bit in episode three is just ugh, a way of filling time it, i don't know as i said there's so many things wrong with it but that all aside i sort of have a soft spot for it and i really enjoyed watching it so yeah i don't know a bit of an odd one for me this yeah i completely agree i i thought that after watching it, i thought i i enjoyed it it wasn't a yeah. bad watch uh, however there are things that just make it a bit of an oddball yeah. Uh like you I really like this this Dalek design the the white and black or the silver and black. Mm -hmm. Uh the construction 
of the Daleks was completely terrible. Um, like the dome section on top, when the actor inside is moving it around, it's wobbling all over the shop and is not stable at all. It almost falls off one of them at some point. Um, yes. and various, Especially when they're knocking into each other. <laughs> yeah, and various other parts of the Dalek um, at various scenes uh, are falling off and they're not straight and all that. So uh, one thing I didn't... I, anyone that's been into the, the Pertwee years and have watched a lot of his stories will know that this and probably the first half of the Tom Baker years, because it's now in colour, you can really see how little amount of money they had mm. because uh, everything just looks terrible like even the sets like there's one bit where you mentioned in episode three where they're going through the maze which you know that whole episode three is just a filler episode really isn't it with yeah you know um, but there's one scene where you know the the electronic door supposedly you know rises up but the way that the camera's shot you can see one of the builder's initials on the set where they've painted it, and and oh, I didn't even notice yeah. that. <laughs> so you know, in the, you know when they've can, you know in the builder's trade and stuff, whenever you've done decorating or whatever, and you've you're doing something, you always see like measurements written onto bits of timber and stuff like that. Um, you can see it on the on the set, and it's in it's part of the doorway. It's not like it was. And it oh, wasn't. I didn't, I didn't notice. Yeah, it wasn't painted over, and then everything's got terrible scuff marks all over it, and it it looks like a real mess, you know. So you could tell that they had to quickly get this stuff constructed and shot, mm. and because there was so much going on, they didn't have time to go back and, po- you know, give it some polish and you know make it look. Because I understand there was a certain, maybe it was an artistic thing. I'm not sure because one of the things that really surprised people when they first saw star wars was that some of the ships just look so beat up and messy and stuff and that was completely by design because sci-fi before that everything was very polished and shiny acrylic and clean it everything looked like it was built yesterday so maybe there was an element of that but you know everything has got where they've and also where they've had to reshoot a lot of stuff because if you've seen the special features on this um, which I did at like midnight last night. Um, you can tell that, you know, that they'll go through and do a scene like three or four times. And then there's like stunt people and set workers, you know, they're moving stuff around. So, yeah, it, what, watching this, it does make me think, oh man, I wish they just had, I just wish the Beeb had coughed up a little bit more money so they had mm-hmm. more time and people to hire to do this stuff. Um, however, I'll, you know, I'll caveat everything I'm saying with something that I always say, and that is that's part of the charm of Classic mm. Who, you know, wobbly fiberglass MDF <laughs> sets and scuffed sets and all that stuff. It's um, it's part of the charm, but it is. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're not the original Daleks just repainted, actually, because they do look a bit bit uh, fragile, shall we say. Indeed. Um, if yeah. you like. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite overlit, the sets, I think. But I like the location stuff, though. I think that the location stuff looks good. Um, apart from the... And you probably wouldn't have seen this in the day, <laughs> but you know that thing that rises up from the water and you can clearly see all the strings um moving it oh the piano wire that's the piano wire but you probably wouldn't have seen that back in the day because obviously this is you know dvd heightens these things or you might have seen it but probably not as much um 
But yeah, I, funny enough, I watched the special features as well because um, there's a really interesting one on there, isn't there? If there, it's just the raw studio footage of them filming it, and yeah, and it's um, it's so interesting to see Pertwee working. I think mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I just like because he 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 fluffs a lot of lines and he's getting really frustrated with himself, isn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. and obviously he's working opposite Liz Sladen, who is very new to the team. Is this only, it's only her second story, I think, isn't it? It's, uh, I don't know where it came in production, but um, um, I think... She, second or third, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. very early on in their relationship. So, you know, they haven't really got to know each other much yet, I don't think. So, you know, when he fluffs his lines in front of her, he's really, like, embarrassed and apologetic, and she sort of doesn't know how to react, I don't think. She sort of just stands there and says, no, fine. And um, I feel a bit sorry for <laughs> Pertwee, actually, because the cameraman, Pertwee has to pick up from a certain point and the cameraman's like, oh, I'll have to move the camera back then, you know. And I was thinking, go and make the man feel <laughs> even worse, you know. And just like, you know. But it's it's fascinating to see them filming this. And um, if anyone hasn't watched the special features or hasn't got this DVD and is, is thinking of getting it, really, it's so worth watching them. It's fascinating to, it, to see the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I thought that it's because a lot of because they do have they have the typical behind this uh, making of featurette don't know which has got several people that were in it and briggs is in it yeah but yeah but this other one i think it's just called the studio something and um yeah it's uninterrupted as well which is what i like so Mm. all it does is just the camera just keeps rolling between takes and so on and all you have is some descriptive text at the bottom in yellow that just says um they're referring to jim who's like you know the camera operator or they're referring to john who's in the costume at the moment Mm. and there's this great bit where there's some excellence up on the cliff. Oh, the pool. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the stunt guy who, who's, um, Pertwee's regular, Terry Walsh. Terry Walsh. Yeah. He's in the costume and, uh, there's a bit of text that says he was so hot. He passed out. And, mm. and there's a bit, and it's quite funny as well. Cause it says the, atro- uh, the atrocious seventies mattress at the bottom where he lands on and stuff. <laughs> and it's really like you, mate, I found it fascinating, especially yeah. when you see the actors going through their scenes and they, and they'll fluff a line mm. and they go right reset back and they all sort of give this oh, here we go you know and here we go again you can feel the frustration of they just want to get it done can't you yeah, yeah. it's interesting to see Pertwee almost taking the director's role because so, there's a bit where he's like they're supposed to be looking at the spaceship and Pertwee's like are we are we looking at the same spot or not because you know just the, i love the fact he was concerned about little details like that the fact the fact that they might all be looking in different directions so it was, it was just brilliant to see him wanting to get stuff right yeah um because i mean i said earlier he looks bored in this series but and i, I say that because Pertwee wasn't a fan of the daleks we all know that he it wasn't a monster he was mm-hmm. ever very excited about being up against um and he does have quite a few dalek stories unfortunately so but i i just felt that he wasn't really throwing himself into this story particularly although i I still thought he was very good in it um i'll tell you what though it's amazing they've still got that footage because this story was actually wiped wasn't it originally you know when the b yep it was i think it was the third story was the last serial oh the last uh, one yeah 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 to have an episode wiped um so it's incredible that they've got this amazing behind-the-scenes footage at all, and it's pretty good quality. It's almost the same quality as the the actual program as well, isn't it? It's not like fuzzy or black and white. It's actually proper colour behind-the-scenes footage. So yeah, well, it's, it's it's a real treat. And this is one of those unfortunate... Actually, no, that's the wrong word. This is one of those ironic situations in Missing Doctor Who, and I wish this would happen with the Troughton 
years. Because mm. this was, like you say, this was the last time that the BBC went through that, well, we've made the show and it's been broadcast, so now we'll just wipe it so we can reuse the tape. Yeah. And it was lost for a long time. And then there was um, somewhere in the archive, in the BBC, I don't know whereabouts in the archive, but they found this strange NTSC version. So, oh, right. so NTSC is what um, was broadcast over in the US. So they must have converted it for US broadcast at some point or another country that uses NTSC. So they found this recording of it somewhere, you know, so they obviously didn't wipe it. Somebody must have backed it up or put it onto this tape for conversion first and then wiped the original tape. And then, miraculously, two PAL recordings were found. Two separate um, versions of it were found in Dubai, of all places. Wow. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so, you know, what was once thought lost forever, you know, this one version shows up and then they find two other versions of it, really clean, nice, nice copies of it. So why can't that happen with some of the Troughton years? Why can't this container be found somewhere and it's got them all mm. in this pristine uh, case somewhere? We live in hope, mate, because I tell you, I did think it looked a little bit grainy, but God, when you consider what they must have had to done to remaster it, oh, um, yeah. you know, the picture quality looks great. In fact, it's only really the first episode because a lot of that's quite dark. It looks a bit murky, doesn't it? But once we get into the rest of it, it's it's, it's good quality. Yeah, I mean, it's still a bit rough around the edges because of because when it was made and because of what they've had to deal with but um i'm so i'm, I'm so glad that this does exist though because it is a it's a story i'll um happily sit there and watch i mean I'd, I'd it'd be a real shame if this didn't exist in the bbc archives because mm -hmm. it's um you know uh, it might not be the best dalek story but it's a it's a real good oddity it is I think, this yeah. one yeah and it's all it was also quite inspirational to a couple of people involved in doctor who so if you look at this if you watch the special features and you some of the interviews um segments with nick briggs mm. he did say that when he was really young in school the first tune that he learned to play was the you know the sort of it almost sounds like monks chanting and stuff he learned that was the first thing everyone else is off learning london's burning and all that stuff and he's learning this yeah and then he said that it is his voice for when he does the daleks it's kind of based on this because this was you know this is the the dalek story that sort of spoke to him the most mm. and he feel i think his feelings and a lot of people's feelings ours included are it's a fun story you know it's it's a it's a good fun watch you know it's a, it's a good doctor who watch but it does have its oddities and its strangeness yeah um and i think that's where we're going with it isn't it it's it it's a good watch it's not a bad you don't sort of sit there and think oh this is terrible i can't wait for this to to crack on you know it's not bad but it just has these weird story decisions that you think why did they do that you know it's mm. It's, a bit odd. it's funny because I didn't, yeah, I didn't get bored at all. No, actually, which is bizarre. I mean, I really, I didn't find myself looking at my phone once actually, and I watched this all the way through as well. Um, so I watched all four, one after the other. Um, I didn't realise that Michael Wisher did the Dalek voices as well, because um, obviously he he went on to be Davros, didn't he? he so did. yeah, yeah, I didn't realise that at the time. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, you touched on the music there. Shall we just quickly mention <laughs> that because that is one of the things that is odd about this so it was written um incidental music in it is by claire uh carrie 
Blyton. Blyton, yeah. Carrie Blyton. Yeah. Not a name I know. I mean, normally Dudley Simpson used to do the scores. Um, I think he was on board around now, so he would have done. That's right. Normally done them, and I love Dudley's music. I, I really, really like his music over the years in Doctor Who. Um, I think it's fair to say that the music in this one is different, um, and and quite odd. And for me personally. I didn't like it. It, it. it was a bit, it didn't fit the story for me. It felt, it felt very dated, uh, the music to me. Um, but it is one of those, I think where people will, might like it because it's a bit different mm-hmm. and a bit odd, but it's all sort of wind instruments and well, I don't it, know, it just, it just, yeah, just well, it, didn't really fit the story for me. It, well, I didn't know this until I read up on it before we started recording, but, uh, it was performed by the London saxophone quartet. Oh, right. Huh. So it's just a, yeah, four saxophones doing slightly different pitches and really? types of noises. Yeah, but uh, I can see what you mean. It doesn't really fit. It, for me, this this needed a bit more of, um, it needed a bit more of an, an ominous, uh, sort of suspenseful uh, soundtrack to me rather than this sort of quirky. Because you can, you can tell... You can tell immediately what they were, what the guy was briefed to do. He was like, "We need some, you know, we want this to be a, a sci-fi, uh, sort of non-normal sci-fi incidental music. We want something a bit different, a little bit more, not what you would expect." Mm. So that's fair enough, um, but it just didn't really, didn't really fit, did it? It was a bit too. It's too. It's too jolly for me it doesn't like you said yeah. it doesn't fit the tone of the story for me so mm-hmm. it just sat at first i thought maybe it was stock <laughs> stock music and then i thought well, no this is too weird for stock music so um i don't know it yeah it just doesn't feel like it was composed for this story um but it is interesting um i will say that it, it's it's different and i like it for the fact it's different um but i yeah it, it did slightly i did find it distracting it's not like the sea devils though it doesn't make your ears bleed every time the the music comes on so it's, it's not different in that way but yeah it, it was a bit tonally not quite right for the story i don't think yeah no i read you uh, what did you think uh, in terms of story what did you think in terms of the daleks being uh, less threatening uh, because they've had this power drain so they, their their weapons don't work and their ship doesn't work, uh, and, and that kind of forces them into this alliance with the humans and and the Doctor and so on. E- even though even before the Doctor says, even before he says it, we know that they're not going to honour it. Yeah. Um, but it does take away that because, like you said earlier, the, the Pertwee's involved ironically with I think it's four Dalek stories, <laughs> <laughs> all in all. Even though he's not a big fan of or wasn't a big fan of them. Um. And it, I like I, I do like it when they try and do something different with the Daleks because yeah. over the classic years they can be a bit, uh, they can have this sort of godlike power in their stories where they're kind of invincible in a way, and they have this you know, um, much much upgraded firepower over the over their enemies and so on. So they can feel a little bit godlike in a way. Where you think, you know, how on earth will they defeat the Daleks in this story? Because they haven't got the firepower, they haven't got anything. So, uh, in this one, I like it that they that Terry Nation did something slightly different. Where pretty much off the bat, he renders them quite useless. I mean, this is until they develop their sort of machine gun, uh, spud gun sounding <laughs> spud um, gun. <laughs> uh, you know the um, 
they sort of yeah. revert back to sort of human yeah rifle um technology stuff so i like that what do you think to that because it does change it up very early on in the story yeah no i, I agree with you I, I really liked it um uh, at the start the only thing is i would have liked to have seen them got their threat back by the second half because once you take it away I, I like you i thought that's quite interesting it makes something different and their guns don't work so they go and do a bit of targets target practice with a model TARDIS yeah, which awesome, is really yeah. weird I like, but I love that um, and then they come back but I don't think they regain their threat <laughs> enough if you know what I mean so I would have liked to send send them come back f- full force in in right. the second half of the story but they don't really I mean there's a bit where um, where they're being attacked and it's, it's almost comical where they're just getting battered to, to <laughs> having the you know what kicked out of them and I'm thinking God come on Daleks you, you've got your guns now you should be you know, they're a bit feeble in the second half of the episode. I think they should have come back, you know, twice as strong, if anything, right. uh, which doesn't happen. And also there's a bit where one just has a has a meltdown because he realizes <laughs> he's failed. And he just literally, um, it's a bit like the Dalek in Remembrance, isn't he? He just literally just cracks up and dies. He's just like, I failed, I failed. And then he just, well, I think he's supposed to blow up, but he doesn't. He just sort of, just, you know. He just switches, out. switches off, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> Which is just like I don't know. I just I love, like you said, I love the fact that they're so vulnerable at the start. It does make for an interesting dynamic. But I would have liked to see them come back a bit stronger in the second half, which they don't do. So I felt they were sort of quite weak in the second half. Didn't feel much threat from them at all. I mean, they were getting pushed around that quarry and you know defeated very easily. Um, so I would have seen, liked to see a bit more from them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, hilarious actually listening to um, <laughs> uh, to Nick Briggs in that in the uh, making of segment on the special features where he comments on that little model TARDIS. Yeah, he said what he finds hilarious is um, you know on on Dalek spaceships they've got a cupboard somewhere full of model TARDISes because the Doctor's you know such a massive threat to them all the time that when they get angry they just get these model TARDISes out line them up and you know pop 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 you know makes them feel better (laughs) it's a nice thought isn't it yeah Yeah. Uh, but yeah it's um, yeah it's one of it's one of those occasions where I wish I was watching it with you oh right yeah there's a few scenes like that isn't there yeah (laughs) so that one scene in particular where uh he loses his cap, his captives, and he just, he just has a breakdown. This poor Dalek, doesn't he? He's just, he just can't believe it. He, yeah, he's like, I failed, I failed. <laughs> must self destruct. I mean, it's not like, um, yeah, it, it's not like, you know, Dalek leader. You know, I've I've lost them. I'll go and find them. It's a case of, well, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> there's no he does point give in up it. very easily yeah. yeah he's like i've lost them and then starts whizzing around in a circle and he's like ah. <laughs> and that's it and you think oh don't be so hard on yourself mate <laughs> that's right yeah they're probably just know, around the corner <laughs> i did laugh at that bit i did it would have been so funny if they'd just been like oh we're we're only under behind this rock <laughs> like, oh, no i failed yeah so, yeah no, there was a few comedy moments like that actually in this yeah, yeah. and, and uh, one of the cliffhangers as well i mean this was oh crikey moses um episode <laughs> three? three yeah yeah so the cliffhanger to episode i mean this was in a time where some of the cliffhangers in classic who were solid gold yeah. You cannot beat them. There are some cliffhangers in Classic Who where you think, wowzers. 
This is awesome. I cannot wait for the next episode. This is brilliant. I love it when they do cliffhangers like this. But this one, it's like, I don't know. It's like, what were they think? It's like, um, well, it's, I'm finding the words difficult to come <laughs> up with just how lame it is. Do you know what I mean? It's a killer hopscotch maze. Yeah. <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs> but it's just the line and it? it's like, stop, don't move. And in comes the credits. You're like, what? Hey, what? What just happened? Yeah. So the the set designers, or the you know the the designer on the on this story, decided that a really threatening piece of flooring was a red and white um, sort of circular mosaic, I suppose, sort of thing on the ground, like these panels. And if there was a bit more context around it earlier on then we can maybe understand like you know when <laughs> when they've crossed this killer bit of kitchen floor in <laughs> and um and um Bilal's just like well what's the fuss about and the doctor gets a coin out flicks it on and then we see the electrical current you know sort of disintegrating the coin yeah if he'd have done that right at the beginning because you know Bilal's about to you know just cruise along and the doctor's like, stop, don't move. If he'd have tossed the coin on it then, and then we had the electrocution, and then we had the the credits kick in, then maybe that would have gone some way towards, you know, telling us what the threat was. Mm. But instead of just saying, stop, don't move, and it's all very serious, and the camera just does this quick zoom into the kitchen floor, <laughs> and then the credits roll, it's like, oh, come on. It was. It's so funny, though, isn't it? I mean, the thing is, it reminds me of that floor in the Five Doctors. You know, the one the Cybermen go across and oh, get yeah. obliterated. It reminds me a bit yeah. of that. Um, no, but you. I mean, the you know the reason why is because that wasn't meant to be the cliffhanger. It's because That's, the yeah. episode was running so short um, that it was supposed to end when the Daleks are chasing him and. Sh- um, outside the city and they're sort of trapped and then and then obviously the next week would have started with the doctor opening the door and getting away from Dalek so that was the original cliffhanger but because the episode's <laughs> running about five minutes short they're like oh what are we going to do we need to find a new cl- cliffhanger point and thankfully episode four was overrunning in time so they could take a chunk of that and bung it at the end of episode three so that's why we get this bizarre and it is funny i mean i kind of love the fact it it's there just get this bizarre weak cliffhanger episode three of them being terrified of a floor it's 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 really funny yeah. um, i do love it when the darlings go across it though because uh, the first darling he, he gets um he gets a right he gets a few thousand volts put through him doesn't he when he goes across it yeah that's funny that that needs a meme that does need absolutely because yeah. uh he just waltzes out doesn't he and he gets zapped and he's got all these vaults inside him. And uh, you th- when I first watched this one um, a while ago, I thought he was going to be a goner. I thought he was going to. I thought they were going to do the classic Dalek bursting into flames thing. Yeah, but it's yeah. great because he's just like, well, there we go. That's that. Let's move on. Because the and then the other Dalek comes <laughs> up and he's like, "You're right." And he's like, he lets him take the lot, doesn't he? He's like, oh, well done, you've disarmed it now. I'll just, I'll just pop across to the other side with you. Yeah, and I think it, something does happen to him. I think he loses his shielding or some. That he does it. say something, doesn't he? He's yeah. like, oh, I'm all right, but I've lost my yeah. something shielding. Yeah, and that was another scene I was just absolutely cracking up at because he just waltzes in, gets zapped, and then the other one comes in like, you everything all right? <laughs> he's like, well, this has happened, but yeah, I'm all right. Let's just go. <laughs> 
who's the who's the guy watching from the you know like we keep we keep getting this shot of Pertwee and um Bala or whatever his name Bilal. is um Bilal yeah. walking through the corridors and there's someone watching him on like a big long widescreen television and he's sort of slumped over a desk is that just a dead person that's yeah. Who was that? I kind of missed that. Yeah, I think that was just an Exelon that was left over from the original construction of the city. Oh, right. Perhaps, so he's just, yeah. he's just another. All right. Yeah, but one thing I did notice, though, speaking of that scene where we've got that dead Exelon just, you know, and there's that screen of the of the Doctor and Bilal making their way through the, through the city, that was like a forerunner to widescreen. That's like perfect 16 by 9. <laughs> Yes, it is. Yes, yeah, cracking TV. It's like, yeah, that, that it looks really cool, and they they've done this really nice blue overlay effect as well. Yeah, um, and I just thought for its time, that was pretty good effect actually, because sometimes even in stories later than this one, when they try and map, you know, the actual TV camera footage onto a TV uh, onto a computer monitor of some kind, you get these really horrible jagged lines all around oh, the edge yeah, and I stuff. Know, yeah. But this one was done all right. Because yeah. you get a bit of that with the Dalek spaceship and um, you get a bit of a green screen or yellow screen or whatever it is. Oh, it was <laughs> yellow in this it. case, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's yellow. There's a lot of that fuzziness going on when we're entering spaceships. And there's a bizarre bit. I couldn't work out what they'd done. <laughs> there's a bizarre bit when when the Doctor first gets taken to their camp at the start in episode one. There's a green screen effect there, but I was trying to work out. It's just a door. I was thinking, what, couldn't they, oh, couldn't yeah. they build a door? They, they've had to build a model of a door. It, it seemed a strange thing to to green screen but i'm sure there was a reason for it i sort of paused it and was trying to work out what was <laughs> what it was they were trying to do there because i couldn't, couldn't yeah. work it out yeah, yeah they've got this kind of close-up model shot which is meant to look like in perspective they're in front of the big ship with the door and what's bizarre oh, no. or is it you about something different here? no no so there's another bit it's, it's, it's um yeah i know the bit you're on about the space shuttle, but there's a bit where you know when um, they take Pertwee to the camp and they've got that guy lying on the bed who's got the plague oh, and, yes, uh, and all that, yeah. but there's a bizarre bit where they sort of walk through the store. Maybe it's just because they had the rock set, but they didn't have, and because they only needed that one shot of them walking yes. into it, maybe they just yep. thought, well, we'll just use a model for that. We don't need to build it or something. But yeah, I couldn't work out what was going on there because there's a lot of fuzz around there, especially Pertwee's hair, <laughs> which does not... <laughs> blend well with uh, with a, a yellow screen effect um so yeah, yeah i just wonder what was going on there no uh, I th- I bet sorry yeah go on carry on no no it's all right go on what are you gonna say i think you're right there because uh this is one of the stories where the director insisted that it was filmed set by set rather than chronologically yes so you're absolutely right i think because it was only that one shot they didn't want to spend the time and money constructing all that just for that one scene it's fair. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah you're right, mate. Yeah. Mm. Now, all I was going to say is I bet another scene that cracked you up, because um, <laughs> it certainly did me, I bet you were laughing when old ba- Balal, or whatever he's called, goes mad and turns on the doctor. <laughs> he's like, Balal, 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 put it down. Put that gun down. Put that down. And I was like, what, what's, that, what's going on? Balal's gone mad. What? I'm still it. not sure what happened to him. Did he get um, hypnotised? He so, did, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was one of the tricks of the maze, if you like. That was so funny. It just yeah. it comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? Yeah. It suddenly turns a gun on the Doctor. Oh. Yeah, he loses it. Yeah, there's some hysterical <laughs> moments in this. Yeah. Unintentional. It keeps you, yeah. always, keeps you going, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, another bizarre choice was to use yellow screen as opposed yeah. to the blue. That Because the, they were using blue screen at this, you know, even in the early days. 
They yeah, weren't yeah. using blue, blue screen. Blue screen, green screen was sort of the two. Yeah, yeah yellow screen. It's, it's not. <laughs> it's purely because all the sets were this kind of sandy rock color. Oh, right, right. Which is really similar to, you know, when you go through that part of the color palette, it's very similar to yellow. It's, you know, it's yeah, that. it makes sense. So yeah. it's strange why they decided to use that. And, you know, because blues obviously stands out a lot more and you could pick the color out a lot easier. They might have got a slightly better result with blue, but mm-hmm. hmm, strange. It is strange. Uh, but story-wise overall, I think it it goes through at a decent enough pace. There are a couple, I mean, episode three is the worst offender purely because they're just running out of ideas to complete the story. It's like at the end of episode two, or sorry, before the Doctor and Bilal go into the city, there was, you know, up to that point, and then when you start with episode four, you know, that it could have been a three-parter quite nicely. Mm. Um, they didn't need to have... No, the maze thing's just a time yeah. waster, isn't it, really? And the yeah. reason I say that is because the Doctor and Bilal are going through the city so that they could disable the beacon that's draining the power. But they, we didn't really need it because the two guys from the human team, the expedition team, they were already going up there to destroy the beacon anyway. Yeah. You know, so we didn't really need the Doctor and Bilal doing that stuff. I, I felt it did lose its way a bit um, in terms of the story because I think it does start off really well, this one. Like the first two episodes I thought were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like all the stuff in the TARDIS at the beginning where it's getting drained and bizarrely the TARDIS door seems to have a starting handle now where you, <laughs> where you can open it. The manual, quite, yeah. The, the manual thing. <laughs> so I quite liked all that. Um, but yeah, the second half, so the first two episodes I think are pretty good. Then second half uh, are, are perfectly watchable, but the story definitely does start to unravel a little bit and lose its way. It's not, it doesn't build up enough tension at all, I don't think, the second half, uh, especially with the maze stuff. Yeah. I agree with you. It's just like, it's just filler. Um, and the Daleks become a bit redundant as well, um, I feel, in this story. It's like almost they don't need to be there particularly. They don't do a lot, really, apart from you know, get angry with themselves and stuff. But I mean, it's good that they are there because it keeps, keeps your interest in the story, but they don't do a lot in the second half either. So yeah, it slightly tails off for me, the storyline. Yeah. No, Arisa, it's, um, it goes through at a decent enough pace as well. The first couple of episodes, although it's not mm. action packed all the time, it does go along fairly nicely. And then episode three is just, a strange addition to the story. It just doesn't, I could understand if it added something to the story, you know, if there was stuff going on that added to it and enhanced the story so that it set you up for a good finale in episode four, then I could understand all that stuff, but it doesn't really add anything. It's just there because they need something for the doctor to do. Because, and, and yeah. Sarah doesn't get a lot to do, does she? I was thinking that would have been, you know, perhaps would have been quite nice that given her a bit more to do in this story. Because, I mean, she does manage to swap the the sacks of whatever mm. it is for sand or whatever she does. So she gets to do all that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There does seem to be a lot of faffing around uh, in between, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, I mean, well, not weird as in, you know, it, it's just these weird story decisions that sort of translate poorly, unfortunately, into the final product. I mean, it's one of those things where round the table, when they're going through the script and all that stuff, it would have been nice for somebody to pipe up and say, are we sure about episode three? 
<laughs> I think Terrence Dix was just pleased to get the script. I think because um, is it on the making of or whatever they they said you know he 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 him and Terry Nation got on very well, um, but Terrence Dix knew how um, slow he was at getting scripts finished. And I, I, I wish I could remember the line now, but Terrence said something like, you know, I expect the last two page you know last two parts of the script to be on my desk by Monday, Terrence. <laughs> yeah, uh, Terry, yeah. and uh, and if they're not, I expect one of your uh, what was it? I expect an original excuse or something. I don't know. He came out of one of his typical Terence Sticks lines. Right, um, right. So he's probably just pleased to get the, a script finished, I think. True. From the sound yep. of it. Um, I'll tell you what does save the last two parts for me, though. There is there is something that does save it uh, in terms of um, it, something I really like, which is Balal or Balal or whatever you say his name. Balal, yeah. Um, I really like him. Um, I just um, Who's the actor? Arnold Yarrow. Um, played him. Um, I love his performance. He's really like endearing, and I love the way that Pertwee's doctor looks after him and has to guide him through. So even though the maze bit's quite pointless, mm-hmm. for me it's it, it's saved by Bilal because I just I love love the character. I'm so glad you said that. All oh, right, I wasn't sure what you'd think of him. Yeah, because the moment he's on screen, yeah, initially you think, oh dear, Sarah Jane's yeah. going to get you know. <laughs> It, you, you think it's just one of these um, sort of half-breed mutant versions of the Exelons that are, you know, going to destroy everything. But then yeah. as soon as he opens his mouth and tries to sort of assure her that, you know, he's not a threat and stuff, you just want to take him home. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you just, there's something about him, isn't there? He's just, he's just really uh, endearing. Yeah, you just want to scoop him up, mm-hmm. take him home and say, this is Bilal. He's a lovely fella. <laughs> <laughs> what actually happens to him? Was he? Um, well, nothing really happens, does he? The story ends with the, the, the doctor and the humans and Bilal just out in the sand dunes and they've watched the Dalek Oh, watching the, Dalek the ship. building melt. Yeah, so the Dalek ship just exploded and now the city's melting away. And the, what did you and, think of that? Sorry, what did you think of that sound effect of the oh, <laughs> and the city melts? It's all these sort of voices and screams because it's supposed to be like a living thing, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I thought it was really odd, quite eerie, actually. Yeah, I think it was a bit creepy, but I th- mm. think it was uh, it was all right. Mm. I just I wish that they were because they've kind of muted it as well. So I I was half wishing if they were going to do it, then do it properly. You know, have it really right, horrific. Right. You yeah, know, like sounds almost like sort of people dying up there because it is an intelligent thing, the city, you know. And mm. there was also the Exelon um, sort of slave people that were trapped in there as well, wasn't there? That that's true. The city yeah. had produced. So yeah, it was weird. But um, yeah, no, you don't really see what happens after that point because the Doctor ends it on a one-liner, as per some of the Pertwee stories do, and mm. uh, and that's it. That's how the story ends. But you don't really know what happens to Bilal. No, I was hoping that we'd get to see the Doctor go back in the TARDIS and switch all the lights on and and go off or something. But it, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a strange ending, actually, a bit of an unfulfilling yeah. ending. I thought it's kind of like felt like we needed a bit more of a a wrap up, if you like. Yeah, in in my head, I have this image of or this scene in my head where the Doctor and Sarah Jane are saying their goodbyes, and Bilal's like, "Oh, do you need someone to?" <laughs> <laughs> Do you need someone to come along and, you know, I'll make the tea if you like. And it'll be oh, he would have been a great little companion, he would, wouldn't, wouldn't he? he? Yeah. 
Because you haven't said that. You know, Sarah Jane knocked someone out in the TARDIS at one point. What what happened to him? Is he still wandering around in the dark? That's true. That was uh, that was just a, uh, one of the normal excellence, wasn't it? That made his yeah. way inside and <laughs> get some good old battery. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they're using the wind up handle to start Bessie. They've sort oh, of yeah. <laughs> shoved it into this hole in the wall. Yeah. And that's how you manually shut the doors, but quite an effective weapon as well. Because mm, the sound true. effect's great as well from the actor inside, because she's like pretending to smash him over the head. And he's just like, ooh. 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 <laughs> and falls down. So, yeah. Uh, but actually, do you know what? We've got smiles on our faces as we're talking about these things. Uh, mm. And that's what, we, that's what I mean by it's an odd one, because. It's not a bad watch. It's actually a fairly decent, enjoyable watch because there are mm. plenty of scenes like that throughout the all of the four parts where you've just got a bit of a smile on your face and you just think, whatever reason you're smiling for, whether it's because it's genuinely a great scene and a great moment or it's an unintentional, funny, you know, classic who moment, whatever. But there's plenty of them throughout all four mm. episodes because it's either the 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 cool effects that they tried to do you could see what they were trying to do like with the big root monster thing yeah in the in the quarry pond that's quite I'm funny I'm sure I've seen that in something else you know I'm sure I kept thinking I'm sure I've seen that in another story that thing it's, it's quite... really bugging me I thought it was Blake 7 at one point but I've definitely seen that thing <laughs> Like probably a, slightly altered, but it's like a universal space creature that's yeah <laughs> used throughout sci-fi in general. Actually, maybe I'm thinking of um, maybe I'm thinking of Red Dwarf. Maybe it reminds me of I don't know. I've seen it somewhere else. I'm sure I have. Yeah, I'm sure that robot starred in other things. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually got its own copyright and can be used <laughs> in whatever. <laughs> um, it reminds me of the little creature thing in Star Wars, like a larger version. You know, when they're trapped in the the trash compactor and the little thing pops oh, out thing. the water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about some cast members. Mm. Um, so there's actually quite a large cast, but you don't see a lot of them because we have yeah. a lot of people buried underneath the, uh, the Exelon uh, costumes and makeup and stuff, both the normal Exelons and the subterranean Exelons where Bilal is, you know, his, his posse his crew and one of the excellence did look slightly different the high priest excellent he's in red isn't he? he's got this red color you know the one where where he's well the what is that that when they, is this the ones that are trying to sacrifice sarah yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so you got that dude he's all in red and stuff mm-hmm. which is a nice session what did you think to the re- recording of the because they recorded all of those chants didn't they separately and played them with this big echo effect and so mm. on. And I liked it actually. Yeah. Very seventies who I quite yeah. liked that. Yeah. yeah. It, it sort of helped because <laughs> their costumes are a bit basic, aren't they? So it sort of helped sell the whole, uh, I mean that, that, that sacrifice goes on for a hell of a long time <laughs> over two episodes. Actually, she's still getting there. Like you're going to be sacrificed any minute now. Yes. Any minute now you're going to be sacrificed. Just, just, just any minute now. And it's just like, wow. You know, they're really taking their time on this one. Yeah, because yeah. it's weird, isn't it? Because they try to knock you out first, I think. They're like hovering this concoction under her nose and the That's steams. That's right, yeah. That, yeah, it does go on for a bit. But yeah, the, I found the chance hilarious because as it goes on after a 30 seconds or so, you can tell that one of the, one of the male singers 
in the group who are doing the chants just gets bored and starts going for it and there's like this big operatic moment and he's like oh he's, like, <laughs> yeah. he's going mad and i thought oh, oh yeah, he's I got bored about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's really gone for it isn't he? yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, so we have those guys they're under costume but they all look very good though they've played these they've played them in like a savage tribe kind of way and yeah. they look pretty good um and then we have the daleks obviously we don't see the actors inside them but uh i thought they were play uh, apart from the 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 Dalek having a breakdown towards the end. Uh, I thought they were played relatively standard, as you would expect Daleks yeah. to be played. Yeah, there was nothing um, out of the ordinary in 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 their performances. I would say no. At least the voices sounded good. Because what's the what's the other one? Is it Day of the Daleks where they haven't got the the right modulation yes. on the voice they sound a bit yeah. too human so at least they sound like daleks in this one yeah yeah um because we do have the standard you know go and do this i will obey mm. and then some other stuff it's all fairly dalek as you would expect isn't there a, isn't there a bit where the daleks like we are the rulers of it and then one of the other tribesmen or whatever or the might be galloway or someone just says ah shut up <laughs> it's okay. i was thinking yeah. how dare you talk to that Dalek like that he should have been exterminated on the spot that's what i mean about him not being savage enough you know yeah, they, there's yeah. a time when that Dalek would not have stood for that yeah <laughs> he would have shot him immediately yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we have um yeah just the 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 human team the expedition mm. uh guys who are there to mine the perineum per, yes perineum mixed performances for me from those guys yeah I thought that uh, Galloway was very good. So did I, actually. Funny enough, I didn't know if you'd like him, but yeah. I thought he was the standout one for being good, yeah. Yeah, Duncan Lamont. I thought he was... Um, mm. Yeah, I just thought he was a good... You almost... It's one of those great moments in TV where he's kind of a bad guy because he almost, because he ignores the commander's last command, doesn't he? Oh, that's that's harsh, that, isn't he? He's sort of like, I... I Pretends he can't hear him, doesn't he? He says, I'm sorry, I didn't uh, didn't hear that, I'm afraid. When he clearly did. That's right. Basically yeah. telling him to stand down. And, yeah. Yeah, because he wants to put Hamilton in charge. Yeah. And that was a good like, moment, that. Yeah, so you think, oh, this is a bit of a bad egg mm. amongst the team. And then he's quite ruthless with his... Because the other members of the team are like, well, we shouldn't really be sacrificing all of the excellence. We don't, this doesn't feel right. And Galloway's like, well, no, we've came, we've come here to, on a mission to save, you know, our own people. Let's stick to it, you know. And if these people get killed in the process, then that's just part of it, you know. There's nothing we can do about it. And the others are a bit against that. Yeah. But he kind of, but well, no, he does. He comes good at the end, doesn't he? Because he sacrifices himself. That's he, right. He yeah. stays behind on the Dalek ship and triggers the bomb. Yeah, that blows it up. So I thought because of, I mean I thought he was a good character anyway, but when you see that point at the end, you think, ah, oh, that's great. That's one of those moments in TV where they've led you to believe he's a he's a baddie, not not a baddie, but he's you know he's he's ruthless and he's not likable almost throughout the story. But then at the end, it's like ah, there you go. The doctor says he did he did his duty, didn't he? He so does he did his duty. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was definitely the better one of the of the crew because he had a bit more sort of 
meat on the bones in terms of character, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and he acted quite well as well. You know what I mean? He was quite, you could tell he was giving a, a, a serious performance, taking it seriously. And, yeah. you know, so yeah, for me, he stood out as being one of the better ones. Yeah. No, I agree. Good performance. And then we had uh, the two. So we have the commander guy. He's, um, He's just knocked out for the majority of it. That's right, yeah. Got the um, leg. Commander Stewart. Um, yeah, with the leg. <laughs> uh, and then one performance that I wasn't sold on is uh, Jill, played by Joy Harrison. Jill Tarrant, yeah. Um, yeah. Weak. I just thought that she was, yeah, just weak. Uh, I think she's, she does try, definitely. There's a few scenes where it calls for her to be quite upset and emotional and and stuff but i found that she was just going through i don't know if that's a director's fault or her or a combination i'm not sure but she just didn't shout out to me as like she was really putting herself into it she was like it was like well this is how i've been taught to do sad so i'm going to do sad now and this is how i was told this is how you react to emotions i'm just going to do that now if that makes sense it was a bit like paint by numbers yeah, because there's a bit on that that make it um, on the raw studio footage, isn't there, where the director's like, right, Dalek's firing now, so look scared. It's the, it's the cliffhanger to episode one, isn't it? That's right. And she has yep. to turn and look scared, you know, turn her head into the doctor's shoulder and look terrified. And he's like, well, can we do it again, but a bit more fear? And she sort of does it again exactly the same. I'm thinking that's not what he, that director was trying to get more out of her, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that kind of, for me, and I think sounds like what you're saying as well, sort of sums it up. She's not really giving 110%. She's more giving sort of 80%. I've turned up to get paid and go home sort of thing. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel much for her. She was, she's not terrible. We've seen a lot worse in Doc 2. Um, but yeah, just going through the motions a bit and she didn't, didn't really add much to the story either. So, yeah, and I, I don't think she um, she was terrible, like you say. I think she was mm. she was okay, but yeah, she just didn't. It didn't feel like she was pushing herself. Maybe because she wasn't, I'm not sure, but just didn't sell it for me that one. Yeah, true. Yeah, uh, I thought that Peter Hamilton, played by Julian Fox, I think I think he was really good. I'd like to have seen a little bit more from him. Yeah, I felt there was more in that character as well. Yeah. Yeah, because he did. He had some great interactions with Galloway. The two of mm-hmm. them were at loggerheads about, you know, the decision to, uh, to, um, because at that at various points throughout most of the story, they're under the impression that the, um, uh, the the Daleks are going to let them go. Um, but That's right. you know, so, and then this sort of master plan, if you like, to um, you know, for the Daleks, you know, they've said, you know, we'll take the Perineum, but you know, we'll. We'll, we'll give it to or auction it to various species throughout the galaxy that need it and so on. And they think, oh, you know, this is not great, but, and uh, so Hamilton's like, this is not right because as a result of doing all this, they need that, you know, they, they know that the Daleks are going to send this plague missile down to Exelon once they leave the planet which they know they know that's going to happen so Hamilton's very much like this is not right we shouldn't be doing it mm. so there's some great interactions with Galloway because like we said Galloway's very much like well this is a byproduct of our success we need you know it needs to happen so that was all good but I just wish I'd have seen a bit more of that in the story maybe episode three <laughs> would have yeah. been a good time to <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> to see more of him so yeah, yeah. Hamilton thought he was good yeah. Um and then we had um 
uh, the we've spoken about Bilal. He was such a great little character. He's a little highlight in the story for me. I he really is. like him. Yeah, yeah. because the, they wrote him with such a big heart. Because when he bumps into Sarah Jane, you know, that's one thing, you know, to mm. bump into somebody, you know, in your sort of domain and be completely like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm not a threat. You know, yeah. please, please don't. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's, that's it. Yeah. And yeah. please don't. It's it's all good. And then when the doctor shows up without even hesitating, you know, he's like, oh, I'll come on in, you know, I'll, I'll help you in a roundabout sort of way saying, oh, you know. It's for the greater good, so I'll help you in yeah, the city and stuff. The good. And yeah. then there's this lovely little bit when they've come out of the city, they've done what they need to do, and they meet up back up with Sarah Jane and stuff. And Sarah Jane, they like reach out and they sort of hold hands for a few seconds, and she like mm. makes sure he's okay. And it, it, they're just lovely moments there. They they wrote that character with such a big heart because at the end of the day, they could be really, really miffed off mm. because they've decided that they're not going to worship this big city that they've created and this intelligence. Um, they're forced underground, aren't they? So yeah. they could have a massive chip on their shoulder and, you know, and anything to do with, you know, the, the, the outside world on the top, they could be really, really miffed off that they forced underground to live that way, mm. you know? So, but they, they're not, they're like the opposite. They're like, really, it's like going to a hotel it's the difference between, this is my analogy, this is really weird, but the, the excellence that are living on the surface of the planet that worship this city and so on, they're the equivalent of when you check into a hotel and the person behind the desk is, uh, yeah, welcome, your room's over there. Yeah. You know, we'll see you when you check out, bye. Versus, you know, Bilal, who's like, welcome, it's yeah. so amazing that you're here, we can't wait, you know, let me take your bags for you, this is going to be an amazing trip. It's almost yeah. like that, you know, between the two of them. So I love it that he was wrote that way, because yeah. he could have quite easily fallen into, you know, just playing him completely the opposite and being a right little bugger. And he just, could have just been know. another background character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, great character. Yeah. Um, and then some of the other people, yeah, it's... Yeah, just lost under makeup and so on, but <laughs> mostly, mostly decent performances from uh, from the supporting cast. Regardless if if you were a monster or a, just a few little little niggles. Yeah. Uh, okay, Sarah Jane then, Liz Sladen. Liz Sladen. Um, she's nice. She's a nice. Um, it's a nice performance. Right. It's not one of her standout stories. Um. I need to check. I'm sure this is only. I'm sure this is very early on for her, though. I think it's um, her third or fourth, isn't, isn't? Doesn't she turn up? What's her first story? Is it the Time Warrior? Yeah. Is it the one where? How far? Back oh, so is it's that? Her, so this is her third story. Isn't third, it? then. Yeah. Yeah, Time Warrior, because the story before this is Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Okay, so yeah, so it's her third story. Because um, I always find I don't know about you, but I always find the dynamic between Sarah Jane and Pertwee's Doctor very different to her dynamic with the fourth doctor. I yes. feel like her character um, changes a little bit when we get to the fourth doctor stories and for the better, actually, she's sort of more, she's more confident. She's more ballsy when she's with the fourth doctor. Yeah. Whereas um, with the third doctor, I wouldn't, I'm not saying she takes a back seat because she still sort of stands her ground and stuff, but I don't know. There's just a different dynamic there. Um, I think. And as I said, obviously because, 
you know, she's quite new to the cast in this story as well. But um, but still a good performance. I still really, you know, she's still absolutely Sarah Jane, the character in this. Um, and she's still, you know, like swapping the the sacks of whatever it is, perineum. Keep forgetting the name of it. And all. Yeah. So she gets a few bits to do. But yeah, it's not a standout story for her, but, but it's still a nice performance from Liz Sladen, I think. Yeah, yeah. My, my thoughts as well on yeah. that one. I think you're absolutely right with the fourth Doctor. She, her character definitely evolves quite quickly into a more confident, um, not not a cl- not not like a Clara character where she's saving the day all the time, but she definitely mm. has much more of a contribution into um, saving the day with the Doctor. Whereas in these stories with Pertwee, she's definitely more of a uh, follower and sort of does as she's told, and there's not more much subdued. of yeah. Yeah, um, which is not a terrible thing. I think you know some of our stories with Pertwee are some of them are fantastic, and they they do work well together because she she's, she almost looks up to him as a you know a bit like um, uh, Katie Manning's um, uh, companion with Pertwee. She you know they kind of look up to him as a bit of a father figure almost because mm. the way he is with them. Um, whereas where where she's with Tom's doctor. They're a bit more of a edging towards that sort of arguing couple, and not not that they would ever be a couple. I'm not insinuating that at all. But no, but I know what you mean. You yeah. know, more that sort of sniping at each other sometimes. And it, you know, if you yeah. want a good example of that, the opening scenes in the Brain of Morbius. Yes, where, yeah. You know, where the Doctor's got the right hump because he thinks the Time Lords mm-hmm. have grounded him, and she's not having it. You know, he wants to sit on the rock and sulk, and she's you know telling him to to, to buzz off and yeah and all that and she's going to go off and do her own thing so you know a, a much more different character than what we see here uh with Pertwee, but still not bad but just a bit more simple in in her approach as a character yeah you know yeah, i'd agree with that uh and the man himself then Pertwee. Pertwee. um just i i'm gonna go with something you said very early on in that is he does look a bit bored in this yeah i i i, I do like him in it um, I do think he's still giving a great performance. In fact, if anything, I quite like the fact he's a bit more subdued, right. if you like. But I don't, yeah, I don't get the feeling that he was loving the story. I don't get the feeling that he's really throwing himself into it, right. if you like. Um, but it's not, um, don't mean in any sense that he's going through the motions, though, because he's still giving a great performance. And uh, um so I still think he's really good in it. But yeah, it just to me, it doesn't seem a bit like Sarah Jane. I wouldn't say it's a standout Pertwee story for, for him as the Doctor. There's no sort of little magical moments particularly that I can think of. Um, apart from there's some nice scenes with Bilal and that. And um, and, and the bit at the beginning in the TARDIS, perhaps, with Sarah Jane's quite nice as well. But yeah, I don't know. He just seemed a little bit subdued in it to me. But but still a nice performance from him. Agreed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there are some good moments. We do see a bit of the old um, Aikido. Yes, we do. Yeah, that's true. Or the karate. Yeah, we do see a couple of scenes with that where he, <laughs> yeah. where he flings out a couple of slaps, which is good. And uh, <laughs> there's um, a couple of nice scenes with Sarah Jane actually, um, where he kind of says to her, "You know, if I don't come back, oh yeah, you know, go and do this." And she looks a bit upset. And you know, we have that again. That sort of father figure comfort in you know everything's going to be all right sort of thing yeah um but yeah i think whether it has anything to do with his feelings about the daleks i'm not sure because he's 
sort of well known, isn't he, for a more than one occasion saying, you know, I don't rate the Daleks as a as Doctor Who monsters. You know, I think they're That's just right. Yeah. So whether that has anything to do with it, maybe that affected his mindset. Like, here we go, another bloody Dalek story. I'm not a fan of these guys, and I'm not sure. That's why I said earlier it's ironic he ended up with four <laughs> Dalek stories <laughs> to have to go get through. But maybe it's something to do with that. I'm not sure, but it's not terrible you know he's he's still you know the great third doctor that we know as, yeah, you know, yeah. Pertwee, but he's yeah there's just if you're having a conversation with somebody and you're like oh yeah let's talk about Pertwee, what some of his best stories for you and stuff you absolutely wouldn't pick this one out you know as, as a Pertwee performance that's true um it's getting near the end of his run as well i don't don't know where it came in terms of production um but yeah he's only got two stories after this so monster of peladon was next and then Planet Spiders, and of oh, course spiders. that's where he regenerates. So it might also have something to do with the fact he was, you know, coming to the end of his his era. True. And yep. maybe he's just, yeah, not not, um, you know, not tired, but maybe he's just sort of wrapping things up and a bit, yeah, just a little bit more subdued, I think. But yes. yeah, that's probably it. Coming mm. to the end of his time, because Tom was a bit like that as well. Oh, Tom's very broody in his last series, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he can tell absolutely that. I, mean, it's, it, <laughs> I quite like it again, though. I quite It just gives another side to the, the performance, but yeah. Yeah, it's weird because you never know if that's the cause of it. You know, with because mm. it's... Actually, Planet of the Spiders, apparently he's not that subdued, I would say. Maybe he was glad no, that it a wasn't... Good one from, yeah, yeah dark. Because I love Planet of the Spiders. Maybe it's a, Maybe it's a good thing... I mean, maybe it's a good thing that he didn't end on a Dalek story for him, because <laughs> it could have been even worse, I suppose. But um, oh, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he would have liked that yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, have we reviewed Planet Spiders? No. No. All right. Okay. Yeah, oh, so you that... did it on your own. You did it on your own way back in episode five. Crikey. Golly, we'll have to do that together at some point because um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting story in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, there was a split second there where I thought. Should I say that I love it? Have we reviewed it yet? But there is, yeah, I remember. Well, I remember me doing it. So, yeah, um, but yeah we'll revisit that one, mate. Um, but yeah, uh, you never know, dear. Because so with Tom, I mean, what I mean is, you never know with with the the actor whether it's a case of they're going because they genuinely want to go, or they're mm. going because of some behind the scenes thing that's maybe pushed them in that direction that they're now leaving. So they yeah. may be subdued because they don't really want to go, or they're sad to be leaving, or whatever it is, but. You definitely get that feeling with Pertwee in the last half dozen stories that he's uh, sometimes looking sort of borderline bored with it and other mm. times looking like he's having so much fun. So, yeah, but yeah, good performance, just not stand out, like you say. Yeah, I, I would say that. Yeah. yeah. Rightio. Anything you want to mention before we get on to our scores? Um, just one thing, which you mentioned on Twitter, I think, and I was, I was like, yes, I hundred percent agree with you. Is the the, the this era of, or um, this series of of Pertwee stories feature the best opening uh, opening intro? Oh, the intro, in my opinion. Yeah. it's just every time it started, I I think it's my favourite um, Doctor Who intro right. uh, is this one because it starts with like the start the sort of round star pattern and then it goes into the sort of tunnel effect which later went on to become the you know fourth doctor intro but just sort of tacked and yeah. it's, it's glorious I, I just every time i went to start an episode i was making sure because you know i don't always watch the beginning you know you know what i mean yeah i'll sort of press play and 
the music will be playing. I'll be looking at my phone. Oh, right. The episode started phone down mm-hmm. with this one. Every time I was pressing play and watching, <laughs> I love the twirly start of the, the intro on this one. I think it's one. I think it's possibly my favorite, actually. Yeah, it's one of my favorites just for that reason, because it starts with that really cool star field in like the circular pattern. And yeah. then that morphs into the time vortex, I suppose it is. Yeah. And then uh, there's Bod um, Pert with Silhouette is yeah. part of that it's it's brilliant yeah, yeah it's a great version of the theme as well this one it's got mm. that real classic so it's moved on a bit obviously from the earlier doctors but it's still got that real cool classicness about it yeah it's, it's a great theme actually it's weird because it's it's slightly tweaked but it's still got that it still sounds very close to the original I, I, yeah everything works for me in that intro i love it yeah, yeah. agreed and agreed Mm. Scores. Will we agree on scores though yeah. yeah it's your turn to go first it is isn't it um yeah i found this difficult to score because as i said i didn't i, don't, I really enjoyed it but i didn't think it i thought it was a bit of a lazy script so i'm going to go sort of for a, a standard seven um but but i i thought it was very enjoyable to watch okay but, um, sure. just thought it was a bit of a lazy script in in many ways um for interrogation so yeah a seven for me seven okay i'm gonna go for a 6.5 Oh, right. Oh, I thought you'd be higher. Yeah, um, because um, I thought that the overall it was a fairly decent story and yeah. um, the performances were really good. Uh, I just found that episode three pulls the score down a lot for me. Uh, that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah episode three just um, adds nothing to the story, really. And, um, and I, originally I was going to score this a six, um, but that point five's in there. Um, for Bilal. <laughs> Need to bump up a little bit for him. So, um, yeah, 6.5 for me. That's fair enough, mate. It's not. It's definitely not an 8. It could, I couldn't even go to 7.5. It's. I think, yeah, 6.57 is about right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, did, what did our lovely listeners think? Uh, let's kick off with an audio clip. Um, this is first time audio sender in Oh. This is James Coleman. Hi, Gary and Adam. I'm James Coleman, and this is my first review of Anything, which is Death to the Daleks. I think this is a very average episode with a slow start, but I think the story picks up when the Doctor and Sarah meet Bilal. I think the Doctor's performance is good, but Sarah Jane isn't really used to her full potential. The supporting cast lacked in interesting characteristics and personalities, and were only there to explain about the Exelons and their home planet. The Exelons, I think, were a boring monster apart from Bilal, who was the most interesting and developed character in the episode. I think the Daleks were not a really good threat and ironically weren't a major part of the story. I think the music which played when the Daleks were around was a bit silly and didn't really fit in the sphere of the rest of the story. And what was that cliffhanger at the end of episode 3? Attack of the Killer Ornamental Flooring? Anyway, I give this episode a 6.75 out of 10. I hope this is a good first review and I'll see you next time. Bye. Cool. Excellent review. Thank you very much. Nice one, James. That was awesome. Uh, and thank you very much for sending in your your audio review as well. Hopefully your this will be the start of many more for you. Yes. Uh, over on Twitter, um, Adam uh, the Hoovian says, uh, that's the one with the great cliffhanger at the end of part three. And uh, he sticks a winky face on there, you cheeky one, <laughs> he, Adam. He loves that cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Isaac Dakin says, it's not as bad as the Dragonfire episode one cliffhanger. Ah, uh, yeah, well, well, that's true. <laughs> that, yeah, on, on par there, perhaps. Mm. Uh, and Adam says, um, uh, however, um, Death to the Daleks, the part one cliffhanger, 
uh, may or may not have featured swearing. Uh, I didn't hear the guy say, you can't, in other words. Adam. So, Adam, he was, he was, he was cheeky on Twitter last night. <laughs> he was. Perhaps he'd had a Campari. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then further on on Twitter... Um, Darren, um, Twitter name Cult Dissection says, uh, great stuff. He loves his story. Uh, and I think he put some like musical thing on there. I think he was doing the chants from the monks, I think, or the Doctor oh, Who right. theme, one of the two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Theta Sigma podcast says, uh, a great concept poorly realized. Uh, Pertwee mm. struggles here, which is no surprise given his well known contempt for the Daleks. Mm. Yes. Um, uh, let's have a look. Um, although, uh, sorry, so Gallifrey Forever 97 says, uh, although this is one of the weaker Dalek stories, I do strongly have a soft spot for it. Uh, loved the Dalek design and the addition of the gun. Yes, I'd agree with that. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention when we were going through it is just how hilarious the sound effect was and the effect when the Daleks are trying to fire their lasers and we just have these little <laughs> things like, Little, yeah, they they're like weird, aren't they? Petals, like black petals almost, sort of mm. like... <laughs> you'd have think after a split second, they would have realised that it's not working. But they continue to do it for like what feels like five minutes Yeah, of them just... Uh, yeah. And also, the, the, I meant to say this in the review, that the, the actors don't even move or, or, or attempt to run away. They just stand there and think, oh no, we're going to get shot. Um yeah, the direction definitely needed a bit of tightening up, I think, in places. Yeah, true. Um, uh, last couple on Twitter. Um, so Tardis Elliot says, my favourite Pertwee story with Spearhead from Space. Oh, right. Uh, I love everything about it, even the NAF music. Really? <laughs> and <laughs> lastly on Twitter, uh, the Z4Z, or the Z4Z, depending on where you're from, uh, just says simply, attack of the killer ornamental flooring. Yeah, watch out for that flooring. Which seems to be a running theme. Uh, let's do our second audio clip, uh, audio review. Uh, this is Sammy Satine. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. Honestly, I didn't swear last time, but anyway. <laughs> Ruffles! Sarah Jane! Yay! I love the fact that the building has all these logic puzzles you have to solve. Nice to hear future Davros Michael Wisher voicing the Daleks. Love John Pertwee's outfit. I love John Pertwee. I can see why Peter Capaldi doesn't has done as many references as he can to him. Shame they never got to the beach. Eight out of ten. See ya. <laughs> Thank you, Sammy. I'd like to think they went there afterwards. <laughs> yes, hopefully they did get there because the Doctor does whistle a lovely little tune, doesn't he? Mm. At the beginning, when he's getting the um, the beach umbrella ready and stuff. That's right. You love to think that he got there. I can imagine a Doctor there with his shirt off. Kicking back, he's got a Sambuca. Yeah. Just ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I can actually see that. Yeah. With his big chain on, a big 70s style chain. <laughs> yeah. With his Wurzel head on. Right. Uh, over on Facebook, Kevin Mullen says, uh, the very first VHS of Doctor Who I ever bought. Nine ninety nine from our price. Our price, God, who remembers them? Crikey, Kevin, you're... You're mm, bringing up some, your age. some old nostalgia there. Our price for people who are not in the UK, our price was a a, a record and cassette tape shop <laughs> that was really cool back in the day because they used yeah. to sell posters and other cool stuff as well. But uh, he said, "Happy days, indeed." Uh, anyway, 
Uh, it's Terry Nation by numbers. Uh, TARDIS, uh, faulty or inaccessible, check. Deadly Plague, check. Characters called Tarrant, check. Mm-hmm. Uh, breakdown, stroke, split in society, check. Um, yeah, so I can see what he means. Yeah, going. Th- I think you mentioned that earlier, didn't you? It's, it's, it's true. Yeah, he does. Terry Nation does that a lot. All the tropes, yeah. 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 Uh, he says, a fun, if somewhat predictable, Dalek adventure uh, that features some fine quarries. Uh, a ridiculous spaceship, a pimped-up Dalek, quite possibly the worst music ever. <laughs> episodes one and two are all exposition, while episodes three and four feel like a particularly poor episode of The Crystal Maze. <laughs> 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 uh, he says, saying that, it breezes along and is imminently watchable. Mm. Um, by no means a classic, so he gives it a 6.5. Fair enough, yeah. One thing that I'd like to mention, actually, again, I forgot to mention it, Touched on it very briefly, but the outside location, the quarry, I think they chose a belter of a, a location for that because, mm. and they they showed more of it in the behind the scenes as well. But it does look very alien esque landscape that one. Yeah, that's true. I think it was Dorset. I think. Yeah. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah, it does look good. Really good. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, Zach Jenkins says this story is good, but seems a bit chunk uh, clunky in places. Uh, mm. The Doctor and Sarah are great as usual. Eight out of ten. Okay. Uh, Stan Gallagher says, love this episode. Pertwee's acting in this drew me to his doctor. He is my third best. Third best. And uh, lastly on Facebook, Joseph Howarth, um, you wrote quite a long review, buddy. So I'm just going to read a little bit out. He says, when I first watched it, I didn't know. I didn't think too highly of Death of the Daleks. Nowadays, it's a good story from the third era, third Doctor's era. While the plot is very simple in execution, it kind of drags in a couple of parts. Uh, it doesn't detract from the story, and that's all uh, we really need for this kind of plot anyway. Uh, it goes on to say, um, uh, how is a primitive race like the Exelons able to defeat an advanced race like the Daleks with just plain old <laughs> sticks and booby traps? <laughs> well... It's a good point. It didn't stop the Ewoks in episode three, did it? Plain old sticks. <laughs> yeah, the Ewoks defeated the Empire with logs and rocks and all that, so. That's true. There you go. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, he goes on to mention that. Oh, that's creepy. I hadn't even read the oh. rest of his review. He said that's <laughs> almost as in, as implausible as the Ewoks getting rid of stormtroopers with twigs and rocks in the Battle of Endor. That's really creepy. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> um uh, but yes, he goes on to say, much like the Centauran experiment, most of the supporting cast, with the exception of Galloway and Bilal, are really uninteresting and flat. Mm. He said, I could hardly remember half of them and what they were, and they were interchangeable. I really wish that Bilal was a companion. Yeah, it would have been cool. And he goes on to say, John Pertwee and Liz Sladen were excellent as ever, and overall, this story was an easy watch. I wouldn't call anything anything special, but it's definitely something I can enjoy at the very least. So we give this one a 7 out of 10. Cool. And let's do our last audio clip. This is Owen Daly. Hello again, Adam. Hope you're all well and enjoying the show this week. So stop, don't move. Death to the Daleks. <laughs> a great underrated Dalek story, in my opinion. Um, some people might think Terry Nation was running out of ideas at this point. And yes, it does follow his kind of formula. But I think this one's great with the new original concept of the Daleks not being able to use their weapons on the planet. Um, it's really great and it adds the brilliant cliffhanger of part one with the Daleks looking to open fire on the third Doctor. Uh, as I was watching it, I did not know how the Doctor would get out of that cliffhanger. And of course, the resolution is they can't use their weapons, which is a great idea. This story has another great cliffhanger with Stop, Don't Move. Um, it seems like they just cut the episode off there for time, but I really like the Stop, Don't Move cliffhanger. It, it is quite funny. 
the excellence in the story I really liked, especially Bilal, and I think they were a great addition to the story. John Pertwee, fantastic, can't fault him. I I know he doesn't like the Daleks, but I think he really great gave a great performance in the story. So overall, I really did enjoy Death of the Daleks. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Cheers, Owen. He likes that cliffhanger. Stop, yeah. don't move. An 8 out of 10. Mm. That's pretty good. Uh, mm. Did you have anything through on the Geek's handbag? Oh, yes. Yeah, I had a couple. So uh, Leslie Sheargold said, uh, excellent first 15 minutes with Third and Sarah in a long TARDIS scene, and an eerie-looking Exelon uh, starts unravelling... Uh, main annoyances for him is the Dalek-powered cap guns, the soundtrack thinking it's a sitcom, and all spoken line needs some sort of musical punchline. Um, he gives it a 4 out of 10. Charlie Turner says, um, Out of all the Dalek stories there have been so far, I consider this to be the weakest. I mean, the Daleks get defeated by six sticks. Uh, Seriously, he yeah. says. Um, he says it's all right in some areas, but as a whole, it's poor. He gives it a 4 out of 10. 4. Dear, not a fan of Charlie. Uh, Ryan McGiven, hope I'm saying that right. Very underrated story, he says, with a unique soundtrack. He actually likes it, he puts in brackets. What's odd is that the Daleks don't really add much to the story, though. It's strangely funny at how self-destructive uh, for very strange reasons. Yeah, it is a bit. Uh, Lee Burley says, uh, Brulee, sorry, says it would have been great if the story of the Exelons had not included the Dalek main story. <laughs> um, they That may seem a bit daft. There is a big spin-off CD Big finished CD spin-off there, he says. Indeed. Uh, I suppose he's saying the Daleks are a bit, yeah, not yeah. needed in the story. I get it. Mm-hmm. Ryan Hall says uh, he loves this one. He thinks it's because he watched it to death on video as a kid. I'm not sure if it's a little in-joke there. Pun intended. Um, yeah. <laughs> Peter McCleary says, uh, not the best Dalek story, but the Daleks look fantastic in that livery. Oh, there we go. Livery. Livery. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ash, Wa- Ash White simply says it's his favourite third Doctor story. Alex Patterson, Death of the Daleks is a classic story that stands the test of time. Uh, Harkers back to the Hartnell era of the exploration of the planet, the brain testing mazes and the return of the Daleks. He thinks the writing is innovative um, and likes the fact the Daleks are weaponless. Uh, He says, oh yeah, I forgot about this. I still think the story wins due to the unique plot and set location production plus that boulder scene. Fantastic. Indiana Jones, anyone? Mm -hmm. Um, I'd forgotten about the boulder scene. Yeah. uh, The the doctor... (laughs) Uh, setting that off uh mark daniel mooney it's not a top draw dalek adventure he says it's no genesis but it's perfectly watchable agreed and finally our competition winner uh elliot beasley says um death of daleks is by no means a classic and it's probably one of the worst pertwee dalek stories although this is not to say that it isn't decent uh he really quite likes it he's left quite a long review so i'll just get through this a little bit um but he basically says uh, maybe the story would have worked better without the Daleks and a different enemy instead, but he still gives it a 7 out of 10. Oh. So, yeah, I think he probably a bit like us, sort of thinks it's not the best, but finds it very enjoyable to watch. Strange when you get one like that, isn't it? It's like, yeah. people, it's, a, it's a real contradiction. It's like, what do you mean? It's not the best, but you enjoy watching it. Yeah, I think if you watch this story, you'll understand what we're getting at. It's like, it's it's just a fun watch. Yeah, yeah, it is a fun yeah. watch, and it's a bit yeah. like um, it's a bit like the Curse of Peladon, where some of the story stuff is a bit ridiculous, yeah. and and it's not the greatest, you know, Doctor Who story, but it's a really f- fun watch. Yeah, you know, you kind of grit, well, not grit, but you know, it's a you can watch it very nicely from start to finish. It, I think you said it earlier. It um, it just breezes along. I, I I genuinely never got bored at any point in this story. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. 
there we go. Death, I think to the average score is about a seven. Sounds like this it, one, yeah. Roughly, yeah. approximately speaking. Mm. So there we go. Thank you very much for um, sending in your clips and your thoughts and stuff like that. Next week, it's modern Doctor Who. What have we yeah. got on? Well, we're going from the Daleks to... Oh, Shit. oh, oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I'll do that again. Oh, oh man. man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd knock my mic out then. That was brilliant. Right. Your Skype just froze for a second as well at the same time. Did it? So it all looked like hell was breaking loose. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly timed. Right, I'll go from... What have we got next week, buddy? Yeah. Right, so we're going from the Daleks to the Cybermen next week in... Oh, good, good, good lordy. <laughs> I've been putting this one off for a while. <laughs> so next week we'll be reviewing Nightmare in Silver, the 11th Doctor story. Uh-huh. <sighs> Do you know what? It might be one of those situations that we've had a few times on this show where we've not been fans of it, and then we rewatch it for the review, and then all of a sudden, it's it's gets good. Or, we can only hope. Or betterer. <laughs> betterer, yeah. We shall see. But anyway, yeah, Nightmare and Silver next week. So Gary will put the post up. Let us know your thoughts on that one. Indeedy. And I yeah. think we're going to do there for 153. Right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening to episode 153. It is 153, isn't it? It is. It is, yeah. Just making sure Yeah. you know what we're like. <laughs> uh, yes, thank you very much to James, Sammy and Owen for sending in your audio clips. Very much appreciated. And your um, your thoughts. It's really cool listening to, um, to uh, our listeners' reviews because it does prompt those little things in your minds that you might have forgotten that you want to mention. Yeah, so uh, that's really cool. And thank you so much, guys, for posting on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Again, the same thing. When we read through those, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that Mm. when we come to our stuff. So uh, thank you very much. It's very, very much appreciated. Uh, So head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our shows on there. And you can link off to the social stuff. Uh, if you want to give us a like or a follow, whatever it is on that channel, that would be amazing. And there's also links there to go off and subscribe to the show on things like iTunes and stuff. And if you're an iTunes listener, if you could pop a review and a rating on, that would be amazing because that really helps us a lot. Mm. Uh, make sure you check out Adam's channel. Oh, yes. The Geek's Handbag. Got lots of new vids on the way. The recent one. The Blu-ray series yeah. part two unboxing is particularly good. Yeah. Some good thoughts from Adam on that stuff. <laughs> yeah, so check out Adam's channel. Just do a search on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag, um, and give him a subscribe. There are so many cool videos. You've got quite the library over there now, mate. I know. It's, it's really starting to, to add up, isn't it? It's it quite is. good. It's yeah. very, very good. So make sure you give Adam a sub. He's also on Twitter and Facebook and all that jazz. So next week, episode one five four. Look out for the uh, post to get your thoughts in for Nightmare in Silver. <laughs> um, regardless of your views, it'd be good to have them. If you hate it, or if you love it, 
or somewhere in between doesn't matter it's all good uh, just yeah just go out and also check out the Facebook community as well on all these posts we're asking for stuff there's loads of conversation stuff it's all good so we'll see you next week my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember and, and- Lossy.